Welcome back to the LWP episode 4. I'm your host, James Sterling Cooper. Um, today, I got a very special guest. Uh, it's our my first guest ever on the podcast. Uh, and that is the lead singer and guitarist from the band Dream Phases, based in L.A., I'm very stoked to have this dude on the podcast. We go way back. Um, we've spent a lot of time sharing stages together and touring around the country. <clears throat> and um, it's been a little while since we've talked, and uh, we're about to start uh, the phone conversation. And um, I hope you guys learned a lot about his band and his past. And. Uh, you discover an uh, awesome new band you like. I, I know I love these guys, and they're all really do- uh, cool dudes in the band. So, uh, without further ado, Brandon Graham. All right, uh, welcome, Brandon Graham. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing, James? Fantastic, man. I'm uh, stoked to have you on the podcast. Uh, you're the first guest ever. So, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. How's everything going out there, man? Like, like, in, with with like the virus and everything. How's that like affected like the band life and everything? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's totally affected it all, man. Um, Basically, there's just, yeah, I mean, all all the gigs pretty much ended, and uh, there's just, you know, little live streams here and there. Um, it's pretty much, uh, yeah, it's been a, been a huge kind of fork in the side for everybody. I mean, there's, there's really not much to do right now outside of just kind of, you know, work on content or kind of record at home. I mean, that's pretty much what we've been doing is just doing a ton of recording and, like, kind of preparing our next, like, releases. So it's all sort of, that's all that. There's not really... You know, there's not really live shows or anything really to speak of in that regard. Totally, yeah. It's it's a bummer. I mean, that's kind of just know. how like fucking everybody is right now, like music. I know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of you know making everybody like be more creative to <clears throat> figure out ways around like playing live and stuff. But yep, yeah. Uh, I guess that's one good thing around it. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, the way the music industry is especially nowadays it's like all the main revenue is from live shows so yeah uh, and like just selling merch and stuff so <laughs> it just kind of chopped everybody's legs off you know i know it absolutely has but <clears throat> shit happens man unfortunately and yeah we just gotta fucking keep rolling with it yep you're totally <laughs> right man i know <laughs> fucking bullshit but <clears throat> yeah yeah i <clears throat> I saw you guys like uh you guys been doing like some like live streaming uh yeah too. yeah we've been doing some live streaming which has been cool um there you know it doesn't replace playing live but at oh, least totally. it, it, at least it you know is something to kind of do and, and get you know people engaged and 
you know, it's nice. Uh, some of the ones are like full on live streams. I, I've done a bunch actually so far during the pandemic. Uh, some of them were just like solo acoustic in my apartment, and then other ones were a little bit of a like higher production, just in in the sense that like we would get together at one of our studios and actually play together in a room. And you know, I'll tell you that's that was really nice because. <laughs> you know, not, not playing shows and not rehearsing and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you don't realize, you know, how much you actually miss that and want that when you actually start playing together with other people again. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we've done, uh, probably about four or five of those so far, somewhere in that range. And we're supposed to be doing another one pretty soon here. Tight. Uh, yeah. What, who's that with? Are you, you, it's like another one. Of, Cause like, I think I saw you do one with like, tales of the eel or something like in the past and then yeah that isn't yeah. that like uh like a branch off of um what's that one festival up north H- H- uh hickey fest yeah hickey fest yep yeah exactly it was basically um well the two main people that run that festival are uh my friends in in that band sugar candy mountain and right. um i actually I actually toured with them playing bass um on their on the, their last european tour at the end of last year and so, uh Actually, so it's like it's actually you know a husband and a uh, and a wife, and she was actually pregnant uh, on the tour, and <laughs> they oh, actually sure. th- they had their baby um, several months back, but basically oh, wow. some other basically some other friends sort of like took it over took over like the the live stream version, you know they renamed it, but it was yeah it was kind of supposed to be in that vein and kind of like a you know a COVID. Uh, replacement i guess for like the the actual festival hmm. but it was cool yeah. there's a lot of good acts and stuff yeah man i i kind of like caught like glimpses of it you know throughout uh-huh. my day just because like, i think i was like working that day but like anytime i could i would kind of like pop on there and i think like around the time you guys were on it was like later <clears throat> and uh, right yeah and i i remember like catching a little bit of it and yeah you guys sound tight dude and like the the way it Thanks, looked man. The way it looked was badass too. Like you guys had like this like dope. I think there was like multiple camera angles and shit. So nice. Yeah, it looked cool, um, man. Thank you, man. So yeah, uh, go ahead and um, introduce uh, yourself and uh, the band members in Dream Phases. Yeah. So um, my name is Brandon Graham, and I'm uh, I'm the primary singer and songwriter and. Um, switch between lead and rhythm guitar in the band and then uh my brother shane shane graham is the drummer and we also have uh a multi-instrumentalist uh by the name of kevin bodowin so right now it's uh it's it's really the three of us and then things things kind of shift uh and change a little bit uh between the studio recordings and live stuff we have some extra people that play with us live but uh that's the core of the group the three of us oh yeah, cool. Yeah, because uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I remember like during times uh, like when we were gigging together, there you know there was a pretty solid um, lineup there. Has that yeah. changed since then? Well, it- you know, because of COVID, kind of what we were talking about earlier, it, it kind of has changed things. Just because um, the project's always been like I was saying, different in the studio as opposed to live. So. Uh, primarily, you know, it's going to, in the studio, it's like myself and my brother and then Kevin plays on quite a few of the songs. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the other guys, 
contribute uh, here and there on the recordings, but for the most part, it's more of a, a live thing uh, when we have like the extended band because we usually play live as either a four or five piece. Mm. So we've had we've had a consistent live lineup uh, for a long time as well, but but because of COVID and the fact that we're not touring and stuff like that, and we don't know when, right. it's sort of gone back to the the trio just because we're mostly distributing recordings and stuff like that right now Mm. yeah yeah i mean uh yeah it it totally makes sense i mean like you just kind of get a roll with the flow and (laughs) the way i mean nobody really expected how you know things were gonna go with this virus and and not even the fact that it's it's gone for so long too i mean most people were like oh it's only gonna be like a couple months or something and then here we are like <laughs> freaking almost the end of 2020 and we're like fuck dude it's still going it's crazy <clears throat> so but yeah it is what it is um yeah so <clears throat> um talk about a little bit what it's like to have your uh, brother in the band like does it does it help a little bit with like the creative process because you guys are like on the same wavelength or is it kind of a little different than that or um yeah i mean overall i think it's great and it's uh you know a blessing in a lot of ways that you know we've been able you know we're brothers we've grown up together obviously and uh Mm -hmm. you know experienced a lot of the same things and share a lot of the same influences i mean you know there's different there's definitely areas where we differ and things kind of go you know uh, with different influences and different ideas but for the most part it's a pretty it's a pretty good collaboration, you know, and uh, we also have a real deep, you know, understanding, trust, and honesty with each other that maybe you don't have quite the same with, uh, you know, if if you weren't a sibling. So, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we go we go pretty deep and pretty pretty. Uh, we cut, you know we cut pretty deep with each other sometimes, but ho- hopefully it's usually in you know positive, constructive ways and. Yeah, it's a it's a good collaboration. I mean, we're always challenging each other, and that's one of the important things, you know, not to repeat the same stuff and to try to better ourselves and and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's really I think it's really a blessing and really fortunate to be able to to play in a band with my brother. Yeah, totally, man. I it like <laughs> I could totally like relay. I mean, I never was like in a band with like one of my brothers. I would kind of jam a little bit with like my little brother and older brother, but. <clears throat> was never in a right. band with them but um like cuz like you were saying like you know you guys know each other like on a pretty deep level and that oh, yeah. that just that trust level alone is like so massive <clears throat> and um cuz like I I could count so many different bands I've been in where it's like ah you know like you you end up getting like in this like really deep uh intimate like relationship just from constantly gigging together and stuff but you know at the end of the day you're still not blood and it's like things could happen you know right um but i mean and you know like you said like you'll you'll still like cut deep with each other and (laughs) have have some fights which like all brothers do so that's totally (laughs) yeah totally understandable um yeah so uh kaveen like um how did you meet him yeah, so it's funny. He's sort of like, well, he's like a brother, basically. <laughs> yeah, for we, sure. Uh, he's a cool-ass dude, man. I love that guy. Yeah, we, we've been playing together for a long time now, actually. Um, I don't think it's quite 10 years, but it's pretty close to that. Um, 
we had a Shane, Shane and I had an old band that we that we made around the time that we were both in college, and uh, that band was called Nicosta, and that's actually how we originally met Kavine was we were looking for a uh, a guitar player, multi instrumentalist at the time, and I can't remember if he like answered one of our ads. It would it would have been through Craigslist how we met, but I can't remember if we answered an ad of his or vice versa. But basically, yeah, we you know we met through that and had an audition, and that's we just started playing music together uh, at that point. And we we didn't play. Um, we haven't been playing consistently for the entire time we know each other. We we had that band I think for a year or two together, and then. Mm-hmm. Kevin kind of went and did his his own thing, and we did our thing, and that band eventually ended, and you know some of his projects ended that he was doing. And when I formed Dream Phases uh, in 2016, I I basically was trying to put together and cherry pick my my dream team. <laughs> so oh, yeah. uh, you know I I picked Shane on drums, and I I really wanted Kevin as well. So um, we've been playing together now in this group for. Yeah, over three years. Wow. Yeah, and um, I can't remember. Like, I remember like talking to him like a bunch of times, like before and after shows and stuff. But uh, I think he was saying he's from uh, like Europe, right? Originally, like somewhere in Europe, like France or something like that. Yeah, exactly. He's French. He's from France. <clears throat> he um, he's yeah, he's from a really small village, actually, um, pretty much in the center of the country. Um, oh, crazy. Or I th- he's like a he's like an hour away from Toulouse, I guess, which is like the closest major city. But um, yeah, yeah, he's from a real small small village, and I, you know, it's too bad he's not here to correct me if I'm wrong. But it's such a small town. I think he had, I think like from K through like eighth grade or something like that. I think he has went to school with like the same three people. Like that was literally three people Dude. in his class. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's um, crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as soon as he turned 18, I think he moved to Paris <laughs> and wow. uh, pursued, you know, to start pursuing music and to study. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the special things that relates it back to the whole family um, vibe thing that we got going is that when we tour uh, Europe and we go to France, we we stay at Kevin's family's place. And um, it's, a, it's an amazing respite from the road and a really good... Uh, chance to rest and hang out with his parents and his and his family and his mom like goes overboard making all these amazing dinners for us and does our does our laundry and you know all all this stuff so um yeah we're we're pretty close with them as well hell yeah yeah i'm definitely gonna be uh getting into um your tour life out in europe like later on in the Uh convo um but uh yeah that's fucking awesome like Kavine is like a badass dude. Like I, I always love like talking to that dude. Like anytime we, I had to have a chance, and he's a fucking really great uh, instrumentalist too. Like fucking just bouncing around on like bass, guitar, keys, and you know he's just all over the place, yep. man. And yep. and so are you guys. You know both you and Shane too, man. You're fucking great. Yeah, you guys kill it. So thank you. Um. So. Wh- like I'm curious, like how you like got started in. Uh, just playing music was it like a family thing like yeah um it it actually it was a family thing um our shane and and my dad um he's a guitar player and actually used to be a bass player back in the 70s when he played in like garage bands and stuff like that oh crazy um yeah so he he's a guitar player definitely more of you know 
for fun, but but to the point also where he does play a lot. You know, he's my dad's a big gear guy, and he's always getting like pedals and guitars, and you know, interested in that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, we basically just got introduced to like classic rock pretty much growing it up listening to uh, our dad and and our mom's music and watching our dad play guitar and you know one of the regrets that I have actually is that uh they wanted to get me started on guitar like way younger than when I eventually did pick it up um mm. I <laughs> I could have started playing guitar when I was you know I don't know probably seven or eight or something like that and I just had honestly I had no interest I I actually I was already obsessed with music and I already like oh man like listening to Zeppelin and The Who and the different bands my dad would play for us I mean I was totally infected by it but I just didn't really care about playing at that point I think I just thought that it was like work or something (laughs) and I just you know I was at the age where I still just wanted to play with like Ninja Turtles or you know (laughs) oh yeah totally do that that sort of thing so (sighs) yeah yeah, the normal um, the normal kid life instead of whatever your parents want you to do yeah, I mean, I regret it. I mean, my, even my grandma, on, on my mom's side as well, um, our great-grandma was a uh, a classically trained pianist, and she uh, went to a conservatory, and her her job her whole life was as a piano teacher. Uh, so I they were always trying to get me to get piano lessons on that side, and, you know, I, I just, I don't know what it was. I just, I don't know. I, you know, I think what it actually was is that in elementary school, uh, when we were all at my school at least we had like music class which was maybe like once a month or once every couple of weeks or something and i think i was just really really shy when i was younger as a kid mm-hmm. and i think i just felt real bashful about like getting up in those classes and like singing in front of the class and that kind of stuff so i think i was just a little scared when i was younger and then you know by the time i got to high school um what happened was I actually took a video production class and I, one of the first projects that we had to do was make a music video. Huh. And what happened was I, I want to say there's probably about 25 or 30 people or something like that in the class. And we all broke into groups of about five people each. And, uh, by far the coolest video was that a small group of, they were probably like juniors or something. And I was a freshman but it was the actual group of guys that were musicians and they made like a really cool video. And I just remember walking that, watching that. And I was like, wow, I gotta, I gotta get a guitar. I gotta play guitar. (laughs) These guys are cool, man. You know, I want to, I want to do that. So that, so yeah, for Christmas I asked for, uh, for a guitar and that was probably when I was about 15, I think. Wow. And, and, and and then I just, you know, within, I don't know, a couple months of getting that, Certainly by my 16th birthday, I was like fully in it, you know, playing every single day, practicing and already writing songs and stuff. So that was sort of the bug that got me. And then, you know, my dad had all sorts of equipment and showed me all sorts of uh, beginner stuff and taught me a lot of my early riffs and and chords and all that kind of thing. Wow. That's fucking awesome, man. It's crazy (laughs) because like we have like a pretty similar story because like it was the same pretty much for me like i didn't start till i was like 15 and mm-hmm. um and yeah like i i remember like having the opportunity to like learn like clarinet or something like that you know <clears throat> that was uh it was just like a boring like instrument that <laughs> i was just <laughs> like you know i it it kind of just kind of i didn't even like care to do it and especially because it was like <laughs> you know a really educational type of thing where you're like trying to like learn how to read music too which is a completely different thing 
Um, it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I just eventually like just got into bass, like just being like influenced by like badass bass players like Flea and right. Um, Les Claypool and like slap bass uh-huh. type of bass players, but <laughs> right. And uh, and so I just kind of totally bypassed that whole educational part of uh, learning how to read and everything. Right. Um, but eventually, like I did, I got into like you know music theory and all that later on, like in college and stuff. But me too, exactly. <clears throat> so yeah, it's good that. <laughs> You know, we come from that organic place of, like, just wanting to, you know, play music when we actually wanted to, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I I remember distinctively, too, um, my goal right off the bat was to make my own songs. Um, That was sort of... I, it, it's funny. I didn't. I did learn, like, a little bit that my my dad kind of taught me. But, I mean, I only ever took... Well, before I went to college, because I did actually go to school and study music in college, but before that, I only ever took like four four lessons at our local guitar shop, and I honestly, the teacher was just uh, he he was more you know more into trying to sell me his like current CD and like get me to like learn his like guitar, his songs, and I'm like had no interest in that, so kind of <laughs> it kind of turned it kind of turned me off from from lessons at that point. Oh yeah. But my goal was really just to uh, to write songs, and I feel like maybe I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit, but the first couple of years I played my guitar, I really wasn't very focused on learning other people's material or like practicing, really. I just huh. kind of wanted to learn the chords and some basic scales, and then I basically was just spending all my time trying to write write songs. Interesting. That's yeah, yeah. Because most people that you know, like when they get into music later on, like me, like I, I was just totally influenced by what I heard, and then right. like I just wanted to like learn, like just absorb everything that I was hearing and trying to play it myself. Um, right. But I mean, I still at the same time learn like kind of basics because I the first like uh, book I had was like a slap bass book, and uh-huh. <laughs> so it kind of taught me like basics and stuff you know like right what what the t- the string should be tuned to and just basic scales and stuff and right <clears throat> but that's that's a totally like different way of i mean like <laughs> not even like wanting to like cover people's stuff and uh just kind of learning chords and stuff that's yeah i haven't really heard that before yeah i mean i sort of shot myself in the foot but what what happened was uh i got the guitar for like one christmas and then the next christmas i i got a uh a Tascam four track so that i could start to learn how to record and that is was that, basically is that what the I, same one you still got today like because i saw you like post recently <laughs> like you right <laughs> is that the same uh, one no it's not oh, the, okay. the, the one that the one that i posted <clears throat> it's very similar uh the original one that i had was about uh, probably about two-thirds the size of this one it was it was like a kind of like a an entry level version and then this the one that I'm using now or that I, I used recently is is kind of like a, a little bit of an upgraded version in terms of it has just like more EQs and controls and stuff like that. Mm. But um I, I it's funny because that one that I just recently used, I basically went to go visit my parents and I, I don't have like a laptop or anything like that right now. Um so 
I was like, well, I might be here for about a week and I'm probably going to want to do a little recording. So mm-hmm. the one that I brought is actually, I, I did, I bought that, it's called a Tascam 414 and it's a four track. And I bought that probably, I don't know, two or three years ago off eBay. And I haven't really used it a whole bunch. I kind of just got it for nostalgic reasons and, and just cause I thought it'd be fun. So yeah, I brought that up and it, you know, took me a couple hours to kind of figure it out, but I did, uh, I did write a song and, and, and use that. Oh, but, yeah. um, but that's basically, uh, yeah, I, I was always, you know, going back to like when I was a teenager, you know, I would, once I got that first Tascam four track, I would just basically come home after school every day and lock myself in my room and just, just write and, and learn how to multi-track and learn how to like, you know, layer. And the, the thing, the thing that kind of, why I said earlier that I kind of shot myself in the foot by just going about it that way and not, um, not learning other people's material is that I kind of skipped over a lot of the fundamentals and I, I mm. didn't really get an understanding of like playing music with other people at that point. Um, yeah. So, my early recordings are very, uh, very like raw and rough and idiosyncratic. And just to be perfectly honest, I, I, you know, I, I obviously wasn't recording with a click, so it's just the timing is all over the place, and it's mm. very, very sloppy. But you know, I, I guess that's also part of the, the process. But yeah. you know, event, eventually, I did start to learn other people's material and play with other people, and that was a huge, you know, uh, there was a huge growth. I think just in terms of musicianship and 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 timing and and stuff like that once i started to actually learn other people's stuff yeah it was challenging too i I found it really hard once i started to actually try to learn other people's material uh there was a big steep learning curve for me uh at that point oh because i was i was just like i just really had to kind of develop my own weird (laughs) my own weird chords and and rhythms (laughs) and you know and all this kind of stuff It's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing it's kind of embarrassing actually but it's just i have i have just dozens and dozens and dozens of tapes of all these of probably over a hundred songs at least i would have maybe more you know of from when i was like 16 17 18 19 that that Dang. whole period that's badass that you have those though man like i don't, i don't have any of that because i i didn't <laughs> record at all like my whole beginning of music so that's right. that's fucking awesome that you you had that um and you could go back to it and just see how much you've improved <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's fucking awesome that um but yeah I, I never really thought of that but yeah i mean if you if you don't really uh start out like playing with people it, it could definitely like affect uh the way you interact with people later on like musically that's um, right so that's pretty interesting <clears throat> uh what, what was your like uh it was uh, wait so if, you uh play guitar first right is that was that your first yeah. instrument yes so what yeah, was, was your uh like first guitar that you had i got a squire strat for christmas a black one oh nice um, <laughs> that my parents got me so i had that and i didn't even actually have my own amp for quite a long time we i, I remember when i got my first amp we actually bought it from basically the stoner kid across the street that was a little <laughs> older than me and he was like you know 
he was probably the same thing. He was he's probably three or four years older than me, and he probably got his guitar at you know around the age I did uh, originally, and he just gave just up. Gave I think. Up. Oh yeah. So so he was like, "You guys want you want this little uh, this little shitty crate amp, you know, <laughs> twenty bucks or thirty bucks or whatever it was, you know." Yep. The input the input jack barely worked, but you know, as my first amp, I was stoked. I'm sure uh, <laughs> you know Fender makes like so much money off people like that. You know, there's just those oh yeah those starter kits that get people to try it out but then they just give it up because they, they don't have the the discipline to <laughs> actually follow through and learn it you know yeah exactly <clears throat> and, and that's the thing too is that um the, one of the points i was making earlier about writing originally as my main intention i never i didn't really have any kind of emphasis emphasis or um you know idea about becoming a good musician or like becoming a good player i, I didn't really like think about that at the time i just kind of thought Oh, as as I'm doing it, you know, I'm, I'll just improve upon that. But it was mm. really just about writing songs, and and I think it also had to do with the fact that a lot of the music that I was super influenced by was was mostly music that really I think was song rate songwriter driven. Mm. I mean, definitely, obviously, you know, Zeppelin and stuff. They were monster musicians as well. But even within that band you know, the songwriting is like really great. It's really strong. And, you know, I, I, when I was also starting off, you know, I was really into, uh, I think I had gotten, got into my obsession with the Beatles and oh, I was nice. really into Nirvana and the Pixies and stuff like that, which, you know, I really associate those bands with really strong songwriting, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, the Beatles and Nirvana and Pixies, but Hell yeah, there's a reason they're as famous as they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, like with Shane was he did he like kind of like pick up drums around the same time that you picked up guitar or was that later on or yeah so there's there's a four-year age difference between us I'm four years Mm. older than him and it wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of time between when I started and he did um I want to say maybe a year to maybe two years at most but but he kind of did the opposite, you know. He he became a drummer right away, and I feel like almost immediately after he started playing, he he had his first band, which I think was actually like, if I remember correctly, they may have started as like a Nirvana cover band. So oh, crazy! <laughs> yeah, so he actually had the opposite thing where he was already learning like you know full songs and playing with his band yeah. of other people's material right off the bat. Yeah. So. I think that really helped out his musicianship and totally. and even just having a band. I mean, I, I had some bands pretty early on too, but it was mostly they were you know a lot of, a lot of punk bands and we were doing original material for the most part and just like you know really short one or two minute kind of kind of punk songs. And I was primarily just playing guitar at that point too uh, when I would play in my bands. But um, yeah, I'd say Shane started about a year or two after me and, you know, he, he took to it pretty, pretty seriously right away, I would say. Hmm. And did he like, uh, you think he like picked it up because he saw you getting into it and he was just like, Oh, like I gotta, <laughs> I'm going to try to get into <laughs> that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's probably part of it. Um, I know that we were both, you know, super into Nirvana at that time, and I think Shane particularly really loved Dave Grohl and and his drumming. And I think, uh, you know, maybe seeing me get into it and then finding a band that he really loved and wanted to, you know, kind of learn from. I think those those are probably a combination. And, and I'm sure he was also real influenced by my dad, just like you know, just like I was as well. Hmm. Ah, oh, 
yeah that's cool i mean <clears throat> it was pretty similar um for me like like as my oldest brother was like playing guitar i wasn't really interested in it but they kind of my i have like two older brothers and they got me into like music basically they were always into like uh-huh. punk rock and all kinds of stuff um but yeah my brother started playing and then i would just hear him like uh jamming out playing cover songs and stuff and i was just like man that's badass i gotta like get into that you know <laughs> and so it, right. it kind of like set it off for me <clears throat> it was like my kind of what got me into it so i'm pretty sure it's pretty pretty uh, nice. similar to like how shane he kind of was looking up to you and was like oh that's fucking cool yeah <laughs> so what's your um current setup like right now like gear wise like that you use for like live shows and recordings like i know from times i've like just jammed with you and playing live like you got like a pretty dope like guitar collection and uh uh thank you yeah Yeah. like that i remember that yeah that bass i don't even i don't even it was it a guild or like a um it the the hoffner oh, hollow body hoffner, yeah, yeah the, sick, the thanks man yeah i love that i love that bass um yeah i i'm definitely a, a gear nut for sure and i i love to to research and you know try to get new gear when i can totally. um yeah over the years i've definitely built uh a guitar collection i mean i um i i kind of rotate i guess it depends sort of on what band I'm playing with and what the other people are playing as well. But like for dream phases, I switch probably between about three or four guitars. Typically, um, I, uh, amp wise, I'm using a uh, Fender Bandmaster from 1965, which I got a couple years ago. And that, that thing's really, really rad. And, um, I, uh, I've been kind of switching between, um, a Rickenbacker 330 guitar, a, uh, a Gibson Les Paul gold top, um, and this, uh, this Telecaster from the seventies, which was by a company named Ames. Hmm. Um, those have been kind of my primary three electrics. And then I, uh, I also play an acoustic live a lot, which is like a, a Yamaha, uh, FG140 red label, uh, Japanese guitar from, I think it's from 1969. Damn. Um, all vintage, yeah a lot of a lot of it is vintage when when i can or you know so that's kind of my main guitar and amp setup um and then i uh, i use a variety of different pedals as well you use a um, like a because that yamaha acoustic isn't um electric acoustic right like you have a a pickup that you put into it yeah exactly yeah so I, i i just have like uh I think it's a Seymour Duncan uh, acoustic one, but I, I I think one of my big goals over the next year is I, I really want to get a uh, a Martin acoustic, and I'll probably oh, get yeah. one that has some, some kind of uh, pickup in it, mm. just because that that's one of the things. I mean, uh, my acoustic sounds really good just like as an acoustic, but I I have kind of never totally locked in the live acoustic sound, and I I kind of want to upgrade a little bit and. Possibly even get one of those like those Fishman acoustic amps mm. for live because they they really really sound good and especially with a lot of our new stuff too. I I've been trying to kind of incorporate the acoustic bass songs with the electric bass stuff and kind of have a variety of of those uh, different songs live. Mm. But 
I, I'm, I'm always trying to kind of figure out a good acoustic sound because, you know, I, I don't have the greatest pickup and, you know, plug. I usually plug right into my electric amp and it, it it's an okay sound, but I, it's something that I, I'm definitely trying to continue to chase down and improve upon. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I could get that. I mean, I mean, coming from my point of view, like, though, it sounds great. Like, uh, you know, I've heard it and, um, oh, yeah, it, even though it's, you know, not like your dream setup you know it still sounds fucking awesome like sometimes those uh those insert pickups like could really really get like a unique sound so it's not always the worst thing (laughs) right (laughs) but that's tight dude like uh um you got any other gear you want to mention or is that pretty much it yeah um that's the main stuff and like like we were saying i i use that hoffner uh for the most mm. part when i'm when i'm playing bass um i always have a huge gear list of stuff that, that i want to i want to get to oh, like i'd yeah. really like to get a uh a fender mustang bass hopefully i could do oh, that yeah, that'd be over sick. the next year or two yeah it's like the um, list never ends i uh, just, <laughs> just gotta oh, keep buying it, <laughs> yeah it, it it doesn't ever end yeah. i i guess in terms of like live that's that's pretty much like the main stuff that I use. And then, um, in terms of recording because, because of COVID and, you know, just even, you know, evolving from when I first started on the task cam, I, you know, um, recording gear has also like always been a really important thing to me and continuing to, to record a lot. Mm. So, um, I basically just to kind of give you the backstory of from recording, I started on that task cam and then eventually I went to like some probably some free software like Audacity or something. And mm-hmm. then then I worked my worked my way to um, Pro Tools. And then there was a little period where I went over to Logic when I was in college because that was what we were using to to compose and use MIDI. And then I after that I went back to Pro Tools. So mm. yeah, I, I do I do a lot of home recording and you know um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we've put out even as Dream Phases. There's probably just about every song probably has at least a little bit of home recording parts on it, if not like fully. Um, so huh. yeah, basically just using like an, like a Mbox pro into pro tools. And then I have kind of a couple, a couple of different preamps and a compressor and a variety of microphones, stuff like that. Huh? That's badass, dude. If I can, <clears throat> that's good. I mean, you, I'm sure you got like a, I mean, you want to keep upgrading, but I'm, it sounds like you got like a pretty, you know, dope setup as it is. And then, you know, it's, it's a good base to jump off from, you know, and, uh, keep continuing to improve upon. So, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a whole, <laughs> a whole long list of, uh, more, you know, preamps and microphones and all that kind of stuff I would, I'd love to get as well. So, yeah, I'd, you know, you just slowly build up your, uh, your collection over 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 time you yeah know? in time man it's <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the <laughs> same boat man there's like so many things i'm like dude i got oh, i want to get like this dope 12 string gotta get like oh i know freaking upgrade the uh recording gear get some better microphones <laughs> it's yep. crazy how like how expensive some of those like things are man like just like what like paul mccartney's microphone he uses is like fucking like three four grand or something like that (laughs) it's like fuck dude yeah i mean dude they get especially when you get into like vintage or like super high-end stuff i mean yeah it's you know it goes into the tens of thousands oh yeah yeah even more (laughs) it's it's crazy it's crazy yeah i remember like uh going into uh uh the guitar center there in la and uh 
just kind of messing around on like one of the bases and um one of the uh workers just heard me jamming he's like oh shit he was like kind of impressed by what he heard and he's like hey come check out the vip room and like he <laughs> took me back there and like I was playing these like bases that like cost as much of, as like a house, dude. It was like two hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars, dude. And I was like, "What the I fuck?" Know. <laughs> it's crazy, especially those like those old big band brands like Fender and Gibson. I mean, those those God, man, those like original ones from the fifties. Oh yeah. It's just you're right. It's astronomical <laughs> how much those cost. I <clears throat> I don't I don't even think I could do. It. I mean, if I. I guess if I had endless money, I mean, you know, maybe, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, That's, it's, it's, it's just crazy I don't think to really think about how expensive it. those things are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of like, look what I have at that point. You know, it's not even. I mean, it, sure they get like amazing sounds, but I'm sure you could get just as good of a sound out of like a, you know, like a cheaper one that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, to me, it's not all That's, about that. that. Yeah, and that's another thing too is you know doing your research and trying to find maybe like lesser known brands because for example, uh, that Ames Telecaster that I was mentioning that I use, uh, I got hip to that because there's a local guitar store close to where I live called Old Style Guitars, and one of the cool things about that guitar store is uh, that the guy who owns it is named Ruben, and he basically specializes in sort of like off-brand uh instruments uh mostly vintage i mean there's there's modern stuff and he actually builds guitars too but he's really big into like like 60s and 70s like japanese brands and stuff like that and uh so i found out i went there one day and i told him i was looking for a telecaster and he basically was like well you gotta check out this this is called an ames telecaster and it's from 19 it's either from 1974 or 1975 and he basically gave me the backstory behind the company and it was basically started by a couple guys that got laid off from Fender. And mm. they were a company that was basically, they were only around for two years, I think. And they were kind of, you know, all those like lawsuit era guitars from like the 70s where it's like basically just total ripoffs <laughs> of like Les Pauls and Strats yeah. and Telecasters, yeah. you know. And they all got sued and they all, all those companies basically had to like stop producing that yeah. stuff. But. You know, there's this this Telecaster is basically exactly like a Fender from that era, except for I got it for like three hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. You know, and you know, usually on eBay you can find one or two at a time. That company was like specialized, I think, actually in amps, but they have like Strats and Telecaster and Les Paul knockoffs. And I mean, honestly, for the price, they're great, and it's a vintage instrument. So, you for know, uh, you can definitely find a lot of cool stuff for a lot more affordable if you do your research and. um you know, oftentimes you're paying for the name when it comes to oh, yeah. it. And I mean, I mean, I love Fender and Gibson. Mm. I mean, and, and those big companies, I totally do. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's like, shit, man, you know, I can get this guitar for 300 or I got to spend several grand for, you know, the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially. <clears throat> yeah, so. that's why I love my, uh, my Dan Electro, dude, because it's like, right. you know, it's, those are like pretty cheap guitars for the most part. I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, but you get like a badass sound out of those guitars, so. Oh, you do? You, yeah, I have a Dan Electro yeah, also. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I was just going to say, I remember you guys playing uh -huh. that one time. I remember seeing yeah, you play it. Yeah, I, I think I bought that, that one for like 150 bucks, And, you know, it's not like that particular one isn't the most versatile guitar. You can't do everything with it, but what it does is awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's really cool. Yeah, so. I don't I don't know the, the one you have, like, but uh, mine, 
uh it has like the i think it's like up to like seven different like pickup selections like does yours have that holy shit no no mine's a pretty basic one yours yours is a 12 string right uh no well um or is it a six string? it's a six but i would use a 12 okay. too but that was omar's and um, oh, okay but yeah I, was that a dan electro yeah also? it was Okay. Um, but nice. he would like rarely play it. He only played it for like one song, and then like he just let me use it pretty much <laughs> all the time for right. Because like, I I would nice. use it a lot more than he did. So right, right. <clears throat> but yeah, I fucking <clears throat> I love getting into those all that guitar gear talk, man. <laughs> oh, I know. It, 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 I can go forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Could like geek out on it forever. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, so like Dream Phases has like a pretty like interesting sound. Like, um, I I was like listening to like a lot of the your guys' tracks today, and I was like, I was trying to think like what you guys sound like, and like kind of trying to hear different influences you guys have, and I'm like kind of like at a loss. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> I can't like pinpoint like what you guys sound like. Where like because most bands you could kind of like hear like there's like a certain sound where it's like oh they they probably you know got a lot of that sound from this particular artist type of thing you know Mm -hmm. uh but you guys i'm like i don't know like to me it's kind of like like in a broad sense maybe like a mix between like tom petty and like maybe some beatles and like maybe even some like radiohead so but i don't even that like i'm like i don't know it's it's got like a like a hint of all that but uh i mean you kind of like talked a little bit about it earlier but uh what's like some of the like main influences for dream phases you think yeah that's that's a good question um it's it's interesting i would say um well, you, 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 I mean, definitely, like you said, I mean, Tom Petty and the Beatles, and and that is for sure like one of the big pillars. I would say, um, I, I so basically, like when I started Dream Phases, I was I so I've always been a songwriter, like I was saying, and uh, when my old band Acosta ended, I basically um, I kind of stopped writing for a little while, and I kind of like decided I was going to try something different rather than leading a band and writing for a band. I was like, well, why don't I just like try to join some different bands and get more experience and, and, you know, see what, where that kind of leads me. So I, you know, I started joining other bands playing bass and guitar and touring and kind of, um, you know, taking the band stuff to a different level that I hadn't experienced yet. And over the course of uh, a year or two, I just, I, you know, I was, I was writing, but just like kind of by myself and doing my own home demos and not really like showing too many people. And eventually I kind of decided that I did want to start a new, a new project, which turned out to be dream phases. But the original idea was sort of not even necessarily to have a band. It was more just to maybe I'll have this thing called dream phases and maybe this will just be simply a recording project Mm. where I either do most of it myself or I have like guest musicians on tracks, but not necessarily a band, you know, just something that I'm doing. And the concept was to sort of simplify because my, our old band, you know, we had a lot of different, even though I was the primary songwriter and kind of, I guess, you know, the, the leader of the band, 
so to speak. Uh, it was still a little bit more of like a bunch of chefs in the kitchen and everybody kind of, you know, working like a band, you know, yeah. where we're all collaborating and, and t- tossing our ideas together. And ultimately, that sort of was one of the things that kind of tore the band apart in the end because it was just going in all these different directions. So when I did Dream Phases, I really... I wanted to conceptualize and I wanted to spend time like actually making a sound that I was really happy with, that I felt represented what I was going for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I you know I'm being a little bit obtuse here, not necessarily naming the exact bands I was influenced by, but it was more just like ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to simplify, like lyrically especially, I wanted to really get simple and be real direct. And I, I guess that is like a probably a uh, influence by someone like a Tom Petty or something because I felt like he was a really great direct songwriter where you know his lyrics were poetic but they were very you know everybody can kind of have an interpretation that you know it, it wasn't too mysterious necessarily right. and with that said I do really love lyrics that work on multiple levels that you know maybe you're telling like some kind of story or something but maybe there is different meanings in there mm-hmm which I think is really cool. But overall, I was just trying to really simplify, and I was looking at, yeah, like, you know, the Beatles, Tom Petty, Neil Young. I was also even, you know, influenced by more modern bands like the OCs and stuff yeah. like that. And and I was just trying to kind of do something that was direct, simple, had a little bit more of an emphasis on, uh, I guess, on hooks and some pop stuff. Um, and then and then genre-wise, I, I actually I have notebooks where I was literally writing out what I was trying to do on certain songs where... I ultimately, you know, I would say that I'm very influenced by like 60s and 70s. And, you know, I really do love, you know, music from all different eras. And there's great music always, you know. Um, But I was really, really thinking about trying to basically merge like psychedelic and garagey kind of rock with with kind of more the rhythm section of maybe soul music. And then kind of the storytelling and chord kind of changes of maybe like country music or country rock. Um, so those were those were kind of my three main my three main things. And then on top of that, I was also trying to kind of filter it through more of like a noisy kind of uh, filter, more kind of I don't know shoegaze or noise uh, noise pop stuff like yeah. that, which which is more of like a more modern influence but i was basically just trying to put together like those different genres and make it as simple and direct as i could so that was sort of the uh the initial kind of influence and then you know over time it did turn into a band you know and i do have strong collaborators like shane and kevin and i would say that they bring a little bit more of a modern aesthetic to the music than than what i would do on my own you know you were mentioning radiohead you know i i do love radiohead but i don't really think they're influence on my songwriting yeah but with shane for shane for example that's a huge influence on him and same with kevin as well um you know they're much more into like I mean, they're into all all styles too, but they're much more into '90s and contemporary and and different genres, uh, experimental and electronic and and all sorts of stuff like that. So, you know, over time, as it became more of a collaboration, and especially on the album that we're working on right now, that will come out next year, you're gonna really notice much more of like the three of us making a sound as opposed to, you know, really more of my my own influence. Hmm, interesting. Um, so. <clears throat> Um, I was going to say, cause like maybe like a reason, uh, you can't really like pinpoint 
like a specific sound maybe had that had something to do with um like the way you were talking about how you like learn music how you weren't like necessarily like trying to like jam other people's stuff like you were just kind of right so i that might have like a huge uh <clears throat> impact on why you know you kind of got your own sound um because like i know for me like <laughs> it's just like i feel like all the influences i i listen to they just pour out into what i do exactly <clears throat> and I, yeah that's probably like what what happened it would make sense yeah, it's it's interesting too. I mean, you know, I have I have a lot of favorite bands, you know, that I that I listen to and that I continue to go back to and new bands that I find out about, but it's always kind of more interesting for me to kind of hear what other people think mm. or what what they hear, you know. Um you know, I I don't think I could escape the massive influence of the Beatles, or, you know, or anything like that. I mean, that's just such a huge foundation of like what I do and if anything when I was younger they were maybe one of the only bands that I I did learn material from you know um I I did end up learning like tons and tons of Beatles songs and almost every single time it would sort of be for inspiration and I would you know start off learning a Beatles chord progression and they were great because they you know they were pretty advanced in terms of like their harmonies and their melodies and their chord progressions I mean especially for guys that were self-taught. I mean, they're using like diminished chords and augmented chords and all sorts, all sorts of cool sevens and six. So I, my chord vocabulary, I would, I would have to say for sure was very much informed by the Beatles and I would start learning a song and then, you know, within 20 minutes, you know, I would be writing my own song kind of using some of those chords or ideas as a, as inspiration. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, (laughs) Yeah, the Beatles, man. Holy shit. Like <clears throat> it's crazy like how influential they were and uh like I I love learning their songs and uh I got like one of oh, their yeah. um chord books for, and it just like kind of goes through like every song and how to play all the chords and it it just blows my mind like all the different types of chords they were using. I was just like, man, oh, yeah. like <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It, yeah, it seriously is just so crazy like <clears throat> unbelievable yeah (laughs) it's amazing shit dude it's why they're still freaking as relevant as they were back then dude people still love them i know i know absolutely incredible um you know uh i i guess to touch a little bit more on the influences Mm -hmm. i mean you know them uh elliot smith was also a really big influence Mm. too to to this day and uh I, i like everything that he did but one of the big influences are that you know, on his first er- and his early stuff, he recorded himself on his you know little tape machines. Oh yeah. So, um, I, I, I think I'm kind. Of, we've kind of moved away from it now, but a big influence definitely was a lot of sort of uh, like home recorded music. And I mean, Elliot Smith isn't really like this, but I've always also been kind of attracted to outsider music and uh, you know, kind of. <laughs> for a better way to put it, kind of like the weirdos that just kind of do their own thing. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Sabado before, <laughs> no. but I really loved them. That was um, this guy, Lou Barlow, and and, and he had a couple other uh, lineups, but uh, he was actually the original bass player of Dinosaur Jr. Mm. And uh, he basically had his project all along, but it was a home-recorded thing, and that, that was just real, real uh, influential because... For, you know, recording at home and doing it that way, 
you really kind of, and maybe this is what you were touching on before, but you really get into your own world and it's really about just creating this kind of escapist, uh, <laughs> this escapist reality or whatever that you go into when you're making your own stuff. You know, when, when you're working with a band or you're working with a producer or other songwriters, you know, there's going to be a, um, uh, there's always going to be a level of compromise and there's going to be a level of collaboration and talking about ideas and you know bending stuff one way or the other but when you're just doing it totally yourself you do create your own world and 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 you know when you're you know I don't know it's a little bit more idiosyncratic and just its own thing you know and maybe maybe that's sort of what you were uh what you were kind of saying about how I started off as a songwriter on my own and then you know it turned into I mean, it, it, it's interesting because I talk to some people that, you know, aren't as big into like 60s music or 70s music and, you know, they automatically are going to be like, oh, yeah, you guys sound like Pink Floyd or Tame yeah. Impala or, you know, this or that. There's not really like uh, <laughs> an understanding and, and to them that's what it yeah, is. Totally. So, you know, I, I get that feedback sometimes. Hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting just to... Um, hear what people have to say when you put something out because it's oftentimes totally different than what you even intended or thought yeah totally i mean everybody hears things their own way uh, lyrically and uh even with mood like if you're trying to go with like a specific mood for a song like somebody could even hear it in like a completely different way too oh yeah so yeah like the earlier recordings like you were talking about how like uh, you know, the more, uh, hands that are in the cookie jar type of thing, like the, the more the sound changes. So, um, like the earlier recordings, was that like more all you and just Shane or was that like influenced like, uh, by anybody else? Well, yeah. So, um, it originally started off, uh, in 2016, I made an entire album that was only me. Um, which is, it's never been released, but a, a lot of, most of the songs on it have been re-recorded and put on our other stuff. But basically I made, I made a 12 song uh, demo album and it's, it's all just like, the drums are all just programmed. So it's like, I was using like easy drummer. So it's all like fake drums, but I basically played everything and made this whole album. And then that's what I gave to like Shane and Kaveen. And I showed some other friends and Basically, the first, you know, um, the first album and a half are basically songs that were pulled from this. So, yeah, it, it, it originally mm -hmm. evolved from that, just all those home demos that I made. And then we would, like, choose which songs to do and then write new songs. And, um, you know, our first official release was, it was called Maybe Tomorrow. And that was an EP we did with um, Lollipop mm -hmm. Records. And it was just mm -hmm. six songs. And... Even that was a little bit different because two of the songs on there I recorded with a guy named Jason Queever and he mixed. And one of the songs has Shane and the other song has uh, my friend Will from Sugar Candy Mountain playing drums. And then mm. the other four songs on that EP we recorded with a guy named Joel Jerome and that was sort of as the band started coming together and it, it was clear that Shane was going to end up being the drummer. And... Um, I think, I can't remember, I would have to ask him, but I don't know if Kaveen is actually on that first EP. He might, he might not be. 
Um, I don't. I don't think he is actually. I think it's uh, Shane, myself, uh, Will on that one song, and then my buddy Zach was playing bass on um, on a bunch of the tracks. So at that point, it was still sort of like the concept was more of like this was going to be my solo project and probably a recording thing, and then I think towards the end of finishing that, we kind of decided to put together the band, and that's when I got you know Shane and Kavine and. Started off with uh, my friend Zach on bass and another friend named Jake playing uh, guitar as well. Oh, Jake, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he's that dude that's doing, he's like got his own um, side project now, uh, content. Yeah, right? exactly. So when we, did, when we did our tour together with Lance, <clears throat> that was the lineup we had was uh, Shane, yeah. Kevin, Jake, and myself. Yeah. Uh, it's a trip to see that dude was all like touring with uh, like night beats for a little oh, bit yeah. too. Yeah, Jake's a Jake's a good <laughs> musician and he's he's good at uh, he's a good producer as well. So I'm excited <clears throat> to hear more and more of his stuff as well. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so you were um, you kind of talked about uh, your previous band. Was that your first band? What was the name again? Um, well, I had I had a bunch of bands like punk bands and stuff when i was like a teenager but my first band that i like toured and you know played a lot of shows and put out records with was called nicosta and okay. that that band went for like i don't know eight years or nine years or something like that it was it was like my late teens through like part of my like my mid to the mid-20s or so hmm is there any uh recordings of that out there yeah I, yeah so we 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 put out a we put out uh, one full album. We put out several EPs. We actually finished a complete second album, but uh, the band actually broke up like literally a couple days after it got finished, and we just didn't oh, ever crazy. put it out. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, dude. There's been, been a lot of projects I've been a part of the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of sad yeah, in a way, just, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just part of the process. Like you just yeah. get tired of like working with each other and you're like, ah, I can need some time off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, you know, that, that band was a really good learning experience. Um, I, I went through like so many, or we went through so many different lineup changes. I mean, we must've had over tw- 20 musicians play in that band or, you know, Damn. over the years, just kind of keeping it going. And ultimately it, it felt, you know, like you were kind of, we were carrying like a dead horse up a hill. So it was just better just kind of end it and start something totally fresh. Mm. And was it like uh, similar musically at all the dream phases or, um, yeah, I mean in some ways, but like I was saying, you know, there was more of a compromise and collaboration with the sound and the songs and, totally. and all that sort of thing. And, I I really, you know, being influenced by the Beatles, I just always had it really ingrained in my mind that I wanted to have like a real band, you know, where everybody was like, you know, you're like the Musketeers, basically, you know, one for all and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, there was a high level of compromise that probably shouldn't have been to that degree, just because I think the sound went a lot of different areas. I mean, the album that we did that is out if you listen to that, I mean, there's there's a pretty wide range of styles, which which is good. But I mean, there's like electronic rock stuff. There's like a couple songs that maybe would sound something like Dream Phases. Um, mm. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the uh, 
one of the songs that we put out on the uh, the Mr. Midnight compilation called um, Afterlife. That was actually the very last Nicosta song that I wrote, and we actually did oh, a uh, a Converse Rubber Tracks recording session uh, right before the band actually ended, and we recorded the basic tracks to that song. And, you know, like a year or two later, I, I went back and took that and finally finished it up and, and made it a Dream Phases song. So, yeah, I, I kind of think that maybe at the end it was sort of going in the direction that Dream Phases would have been. But I really needed to kind of start over and kind of just take total control at first of the Dream Phases sound to really kind of get what I was going for, like the simplicity and and the style, but I think you can sort of see where, see where things are going at the end of Nicosta, especially on some of the songs that were unreleased and, um, you know, hadn't come out, have not come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, I totally like relate to that. Cause I mean, that's kind of like how I felt with like family Alliance. Like it, there was just so many like people like, uh, throwing input on songs that it was just, it was just so hard to like <clears throat> write a song, like unless it just flowed out naturally, which, right. which happens sometimes. But, right. Uh, but yeah, most of the time it was just like, all right, like I, I come in with an idea, start playing it. I have like these pretty structured parts and then I, you know, start laying it down. And then they're like, eh, they try to jam it out and feel it. But then it was like, nah, it's not working. Right. And then, you know, some parts would just, be like that and then like some of those songs like i just totally just use for my own solo stuff right (laughs) so yeah i totally get that man like and that's kind of like why i went solo because it's it's frustrating man like the the more uh controlling people are of the music the the harder it is to come out yeah it you're totally right actually i mean and that's a really good point that you made because a huge difference between like nicosta and dream phases is that we did use that process you were talking about where like I might bring in a rough idea back then, but then we would just totally jam it out and everybody would kind of come up with their own parts. And, you know, sometimes that really works if you really have share the same vision, but you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally proud of everything that we did with that band because I think there was just a little bit too much leeway. And, and because of that, it went in a lot of different directions that I just don't think were really cohesive enough. And, that's the big mm-hmm. difference with dream phases is that most of the songs are like completely demoed first, which is not to say that we're not going to like change them or, you know, maybe change the structures or do this or that, but there's just so much more of a concrete overall example of what it's going to sound like to begin with. And then kind of just improving upon that. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that goes a long way with, with making the end product more concise and, you know, kind of following uh, the, the initial vision of what, what it could be i mean again it it does always change as soon as other people start playing and you get other people involved but it's just having that like a really strong blueprint right from the beginning that you you have to work with yeah totally yeah it's hard man Uh, sometimes it's like uh it's like a reason why uh some songs come out so you know so well and and they sound like as badass as they do because it was like synthesized through so many different people you right know? right um so that is definitely a great thing about uh being in a band yep um but but the freedom you have when you actually are able to like <clears throat> 
have full control over like your own sound and the, the sound that you want to go is is pretty liberating as well yep <clears throat> um so i'm gonna like uh change gears here and like get into uh your new release that you guys just put out um uh hell and highway um so <clears throat> that was uh just a two song uh ep and it, it came out uh the end of october right yeah exactly that it came out on october 30th and yeah mm-hmm. uh basically the story behind that is that we we got approached by a local label named uh, hypnotic bridge records and they basically only do like classic seven inches like 45 so it's you know that basically you know the a side and the b side and um they approached us and asked if we wanted to do one on the label so what i ended up doing was i gave uh i gave the the label guy i think I don't know, six or seven songs that we had been working on. And I was, you know, I just told him, I sort of have this song, uh, the Tandy song on the B side. I was like, okay, I kind of am specifically writing this song for the release, but then why don't you kind of pick what you want maybe the other song to be? Um, so he went through the demos and basically picked Helen Highway and wanted that to be the A side. And we put Tandy as the B side. And that's, that's pretty, pretty much did with that. And those songs were, those songs were basically taken from a much larger batch of songs that we've been working on over the past year of, uh, you know, basically working towards our, our next album. So we took two from that batch and that's what that release ended up being. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, so, and like, I really dig the, uh, the cover art on that. Who, uh, who did that? Yeah, that's a, a really talented artist from Spain named, uh, she goes under the oh, name sure. Laura Kensington. And I got introduced to her through a uh, through a friend, uh, a good friend of mine from Spain as well. And he was just like, "You got to work with her." You know, I just I, he actually had just done some really cool T-shirts with her for this uh, this like psychedelic DJ event night uh, here in in LA. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, uh, check her out." And then the guy at Hypnotic Bridge was also thinking the same thing. Actually, it was it was pretty funny. They both uh, I got recommended her. F- twice so i was like okay that that seems pretty serendipitous let's do that and she yeah mm. she just knocked it out of the park she was great oh yeah it looks sick is it like uh like color pencil or what's what's the medium she used on that you know i'm not a hundred percent sure what what i'm guessing is that she probably drew it I, I mean i'm almost positive that she hand drew it and then i think she probably like scanned it and maybe did the colors on the computer or something like that mm, um yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure, that. but it's definitely it's definitely hand drawn initially. That's for sure. Yeah, it definitely looks hand drawn. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was probably like you said, just added colors electronically. I think I think, I think so. <clears throat> uh, and you guys also uh, put out a music video along with that song, uh, Helen Highway. <clears throat> um, talk about the video and like uh, who did it and like the process of it and just making it. Yeah, that that was that was a lot of fun. Um, it was that's actually the first video that I've directed myself, and basically, uh, I just I came up with the initial idea, and uh, I worked with a good friend of mine named Matt Lingo, and he basically uh, we worked together to turn that into the actual screenplay, and and uh, really kind of solidify and flesh out the uh, the idea. So we uh, we did this screenplay, and then. 
I got my uh, got together with my main art collaborator, uh, a guy named Richard Auxilio, and uh, he's he's been working with us on like album covers and photography and our previous videos. So he's he's basically been Dream Phase's like main, uh, almost like an art director or something. So mm. he uh, he he did the cinematography and yeah, we basically put that team of the three of us together. And then sort of fleshed all the ideas out. And then I found some friends to act in it. Um, my friend Natalia was the main actress in that. And uh, I had a couple other friends in the video as well, a friend named Jess. And, uh, you know, Shane and I both make a cameo in that video. And also had a friend named Eric, who he runs a vintage shop down the street from my place. And he lended us some some cool clothes and stuff like that. So, yeah, we, we basically, uh, you know, we honestly did it on, like, no budget. <laughs> and uh, it was basically <laughs> just shot over a couple days around Silver Lake and, and then around the Valley of Los Angeles. That's sick, dude. I, I mean, it came out great. I liked it. Oh, thanks, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, that's tight that you, like, directed it, too. So that's, that's fucking dope. Uh, yeah, that, so, it's something that I uh, just to just to add to that. It's yeah, definitely sure. something that was really inspiring, and I, I'm a really big like film and like TV. Well, like TV show person. Like I, I just love you know movies basically. So it's something that I kind of want to figure out a way to continue developing as well. You know, I don't know if it would mm. necessarily just with dream phases, but I would really like to continue making like make some short films or do some different film and music collaboration kind of ideas. Yeah, totally. It's good to uh, branch out and, mm-hmm. you know, cause you never know, man, like um, it's good to just kind of dip your toes in other things and mm-hmm. you never know, man, like you could just all of a sudden knock it out of the park with that other thing and it could be your true calling type of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you don't, so, you're right. You don't know. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's always good to just kind of, test everything right um yeah so what's the uh song about mainly what what would you say it's about uh helen highway yeah so um it's it's a it's a character it's presented as a character story song about the the character helen highway and um you know it's honestly just about getting you know i'm I'm now in my mid-30s and mm. it's sort of just about you know still fighting away from complacency and not kind of giving up on my dreams and my goals and mm-hmm. sort of the it's sort of you know part part i guess autobiographical but it's also observational you know um i see a lot of people in my age group and and around you know the area that I live at and there's people that I meet that, you know, uh, have kind of turned their back on their dreams and, you know, not, not, not for good reason. I mean, you know, um, you know, a lot of people won't pursue stuff because of the risk or, you know, money, finances, Mm -hmm. job security, you know, and and as you get older, it's just more and more tempting to kind of settle into just like a a regular day job, which is, you know, there's something that you don't even want to do. There's there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just sort of the idea yeah. that like you know there's even times where I I go where like you know I'm like okay I'm done with this you know I'm I'm gonna like not do this as much but then you know after a couple of days I get real bummed out and I just I'm like writing songs again so overall mm-hmm. it's just sort of about staying true to yourself holding on to that you know passion or that drive whatever you have inside and not forgetting it and that's that's ultimately what it is you know the uh, 
that's the video is you know her basically going through like a day in her life and things aren't really going the way she wants them to and just you know she ends up going on that journey of self-discovery and uh you know just kind of almost like finding her mantra again or something and that's sort of what that whole scene about you know when she opens the box and takes out the paper and it has one of the lines from the songs of just you know don't don't forget you can always you know reinvent yourself or be who you be who you know you are or any of that kind of stuff so you know it's it's basically just like a reminder to like you know as cheesy as it sounds to continue following your dreams you know oh no man dude it's it's uh it's a beautiful thing that i think everybody that struggles with what they want to do needs to hear you know because it's uh so many people do give up on it and right um and it's a pity man some people have so much talent but then they just like throw it away just to like for comfort because they could just work this job that they don't necessarily really like to do but it pays the bills and and then they just get older and fucking that's it (laughs) it'll never you know it's a shame man exactly and uh i always uh i always think of like uh i think it was morgan freeman like his story it's like dude that dude didn't even like hit it big till he was like an old man basically i think he's like struggled like his whole life but look at him now he's like this successful like movie star and oh yeah um you know so it just goes to show that you know it may take longer than others you know sometimes but if you keep uh staying consistent like it's totally worth it you know you'll eventually get to that place yeah exactly and you know i think it's also about remembering that i mean it's it's like that old you know like hippie adage basically of uh you know, it's 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 about the journey, not the destination. And I think that's the thing yeah. that a lot of us forget is that we have some sort of concept or something that's like ingrained that like about what like success actually is or something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I I think just just creating and like continuing to work on your stuff is success enough. At least you know for me. Um, you know, we all have our different ideas of like what it would be to make it or, or this or that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess you can objectively put some qualifiers on that, but really it's just, you know, going to play shows, making your songs, putting music out, going on tours, you know, doing these things. It's like, that's, that's, you're doing it. You're already doing it. So I try to tell friends that, and I try to think that, you know, it's, you know, it's not like, led zeppelin times anymore you know it's we're also just living in a whole a totally different climate and the whole music industry is just like totally different and i just think you know doing your thing and, and continuing to to produce stuff and put put stuff out that's important and you know is saying something i think that 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 success right there yeah for sure i always uh loved um uh what the late great kobe bryant said uh, rest of soul, yeah, man. Um, right. Shout out to Kobe. <laughs> Kobe, man. Yeah. Um, I forget what the, what he was saying exactly, but it was something along the lines of like, um, like the work, the dream is actually, um, the work it takes to get there. Like being in the gym and yeah, you know, it because like so many people, um, you hear those stories all the time where. You know, they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I want to make it big, and then when they make it big, they're like, well, this is it, like, right. the fuck, like, <laughs> yep, 
and then they but they miss the whole process of like the struggle to get there and like you know yeah you have to appreciate that journey you know you're absolutely right yeah um i dig the uh the interplay uh in between the uh psych psych guitar uh sound it's like the it, you're kind of like i don't know who does it if it's you or kavine or but uh it like in between uh throughout the helen highway song it's kind of like cutting in and out of the song uh it sounds dope like uh it was that you or was that yeah um that that song uh helen highway um was just Shane and I playing, and then uh, Tandy was the three of us. So yeah, Shane did the drums and the percussion on Highland Highway. Then I did the the rest, and then on um, on Tandy, uh, I can't remember exactly. Kevin uh, played the bass and um, played some of the. Uh, I think he did like a bowed guitar part and like a like a, another melodic guitar part as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's dope. Um, so, like, what do you know what that uh, that effect was that was like on that guitar? Like, it it just stood out to me on that song. I was like, oh, that's sound something I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> yeah, uh, on, you're, talking, you're talking about on Helen Highway, like the the lead kind of riff guitar part. Yeah, or? it kind of sounds like um like almost like a tremolo sound or something like on the guitar. And yeah, there's probably for sure a, a tremolo part. I think I. For for like the main riff that keeps coming back in that song, well, there's kind of like two main riffs. There's like the the riff that the bass line plays, and sometimes there's like a fuzz guitar doubling it, and then there's like the higher kind of like guitar lead part. Um, I probably did one that was kind of a little bit cleaner, maybe just a little like reverbed out, and then a second one where yeah, I think for sure there was probably the combination of like echo and tremolo, and um, probably even a couple other things. Mm. I definitely do go you know kind of crazy with effects <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sounds dope though i mean it's good to do Thanks, like I, I like uh from like listening to your guys' stuff like i like the way you guys kind of like bring in effects and kind of fade them out like it's really subtle but like it adds a nice touch to it thank you thank you yeah no problem um so um i'm gonna just go ahead and uh play helen highway for the listeners here and uh, okay. we'll get back into the next track
All right, badass song, man. Um, Thank you. You guys are uh, definitely honing your craft and uh, continuing to improve for sure. Um, I could definitely hear like uh, the progression in the band sounds from like just the time that we used to gig together. You guys are uh, definitely getting it tighter. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, up next uh, is Tandy. Um, I'm going to play that song now and uh, we'll just discuss it after. Check it out. track um so if i had to guess uh from the lyrics it's like about an ex-girlfriend uh and the relationship didn't turn out the way you expected is that right yeah yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, that's what i figured yeah yeah it, it, it's funny i um <clears throat> i don't know if it's funny but yeah i i basically um <laughs> The earlier dream phases stuff was sort of about me 
singing about uh, the end of this 10-year relationship that I was in, like my whole 20s. So it's funny because before Dream Phases, I never really wrote relationship songs, to be honest, which is kind of funny. And then for whatever reason, maybe just because I was going for that more direct thing and you know, it's something I think that most people could relate to. I I ended up writing a whole bunch of just like various like relationship kind of songs, but yeah, that's that's basically about a, a failed relationship. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I I totally relate because I uh, I feels like most of my songs I write are like love songs or something along right. that line. So <laughs> I mean, it's a good one to go to. I mean, it's universal. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah. like um. What what's like the uh the band's like songwriting process like with these recordings? Was it um a pretty uh combined effort or was it like were you kind of more spearheading it? Um both of these songs were definitely written like uh just on my own. You know, I, mm. I, I completed the song itself and then I would like send it to Shane and Shane would record drums and then send it back to me. Uh, and then I would kind of layer and fill out the song. Mm. Uh, same thing with, same thing with Tandy also. Um, you know, I would basically do the, like a scratch guitar and a scratch vocal, send that to Shane. Shane would do the drums. And then with that song, we sent it to Kaveen. Kaveen laid down the bass and some guitar parts and then sent mm. it back to me and I kind of redid the vocal and added added more uh, layers, like some organs and some extra guitars and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, these two songs were um, were definitely, like, pretty much fully written. And then uh, they like we built them up. And the whole thing, too, is that, you know, these songs were were recorded during covid which has been a much different kind of process for us with recording as well because like with our last album for example the so long yesterday you know we were in a studio together recording the basic tracks to tape you know and then bouncing that to pro tools so we were there you know the songs were pretty much already written and fleshed out at that point too but it was just still a different process of at least playing them together live and then building mm-hmm. upon the track so with these you know we were all just isolated from each other and just sending each other the files back and forth and building it that way interesting that's cool um so <clears throat> uh was it where was it recorded i know you said you were talking about like how hypnotic bridge got involved with the process did did you guys guys eventually go to uh a studio that a specific studio they had in mind or what or it was just kind of like recording on your guys's own yeah it it was 99 percent of it was all recorded on our own like uh mm. like here at my home studio at shane's home studio and at kaveen's home studio we all kind of did our own recording there's like one guitar part that I overdubbed uh, at the guy that ended up mixing it, his his Rob Campanella. I uh, I did like one overdub, twelve string guitar part. But outside of that, that one single overdub, it was all recorded by us at our our own home studios. And the guys would basically just send me all the the files, and then I would just put them into Pro Tools. And um, originally, I was gonna I was gonna mix them, or we were gonna mix them, but. I just didn't really feel like it was getting exactly to where it, I I thought it needed to be, so we ended up, yeah, getting in contact with our friend Rob, and you know he's an, he's an oh, awesome enge- engineer and mixer and musician, and we ended up having him mix the tracks, and then we yeah. had another guy master them. 
Yeah, and uh, he's he's uh, he was playing with uh, Stevenson Ranch Davidians and uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre. Right? Yeah, exactly. So that that's when uh, that's when I met him when we were all doing that that tour together. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where I met him. I may have met him a little bit before that, but that's where we kind of became friends. And um, yeah, he has a cool studio up in the Hollywood Hills, and he did a real good job mixing <clears> them. That's sick. Yeah, that's that's around the time I met him. I, I kind of like would hear his name every now and then uh, right. from like Lance or you know just yeah. other people. But yeah. yeah, cool dude. He's definitely super talented. Yeah. <clears throat> But uh, both these songs are uh, pretty jam-packed uh, with slick changes, catchy hooks. Uh, the total length is about five minutes for the EP. Um, right. Was that intentional to make the songs like classic pop song length, or did it just feel right to end them like that? Or what was um, that? Yeah, it, it it definitely was. You know, I was thinking. I was thinking about like classic seven inch, you know, uh, like, like a side B side. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was very much the idea to, to write something that seemed like, you know, what I would imagine hopefully maybe could have been on the radio at some point or something, or it was definitely kind of harkening back to like the sixties or something, even fifties, sixties. And yeah, it was definitely just the short direct, I was really also trying to think about my like friends that are DJs. I was like, okay, what what could what could I kind of make that they would want to like put on at like a like a psych or garage rock kind of DJ night or something like that. So it, there mm. there definitely was that idea of trying to make more single kind of songs. Yeah, it's a uh, catchy and definitely uh, leaves you want, wanting more. Like I know when I was listening, to it, I was like, dang, like. It's like super short and there's like a lot happening in that, <laughs> you know, that, that time, but it's, it's tight. It like definitely kind of leaves you like, it's like a cliffhanger. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, so you guys got these pressed to vinyl through hypnotic bridge and, right. um, talk about the process of making the vinyl with them and, uh, just working with hypnotic bridge. Yeah. So, we were pretty stoked when, uh, so the main guy there is named Stu and we were pretty stoked when Stu, you know, said he wanted us to do a seven inch with him because it, it's been a, it's been a really cool label. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he started his first release with Frankie and the Witch Fingers and he's done all sorts of cool bands that were, that, you know, friends of ours, like Triptides and, oh, yeah. um, everything he's been doing so far, I've really, I think is really high quality. So, um, yeah, he basically approached us and, you know, he, he only does seven inches. That's the thing. He doesn't do albums. He doesn't, you know, it's just, I think some of the releases maybe have three songs if there's enough space on the 45, but for the most part, you know, it's just that classic A side, B side. And his whole thing is about creating these like singles basically. So, um, yeah, um, like I was mentioning earlier, I, I gave him like a handful of demos and he, he kind of handpicked them and it, it was, he was the one that kind of chose the, the order about which one would be the A side and the B side. And yeah, basically we just recorded it. We got it mixed and mastered and then we delivered it to him. And, and, um, you know, a couple months later he, he got the, uh, he got the album back. So he, he ordered it. I think, I think it was pressed, um, in somewhere in, in Europe, I think in, uh, Czech Republic. Oh. Oh wow! Um, and yeah, we just got those back, you know, a couple just a couple of weeks ago. Hell yeah, that's sick, dude. That, that's pretty interesting. He only does like the two song uh, vinyls, yeah, like that. <clears throat> yeah. 
Exactly. I guess it I guess it makes it easier on his end, I guess, you know. Yeah, his whole thing is just that uh he wants the music to be gloriously psychedelic. <laughs> oh, that's it's tight. uh it, the, the label is definitely, you know, aimed for psychedelic music. But one of the things I also really appreciate him about him is that he has a really wide range of tastes and things that he likes and you know, where where's there where you know, as there's some people that are like super into just like <laughs> kind of limiting it yourself i guess but like specific years of music or totally. you know it needs to be like 60 psych or this or that you know he's very much open to like all these different styles from you know the past and the present which i think is really cool and that's, I, I, that's the thing too with these songs I, w- I wasn't trying to you know make something that sounded like it was like a lost recording or like dated i was really trying to you know take that huge psychedelic influence that we love and we have and you know make something hopefully that sounds kind of contemporary yeah totally i mean it it definitely has that 60s 70s feel but it's right. it's modern at the same time <clears throat> so um is, is there um still copies of the vinyl left and uh where can people get those yeah uh yeah it just came out last week so it's been out for just like a week now um you can order the record through hypnotic bridge uh directly or you can uh email us and order directly from us just dreamphases at gmail.com or through our band camp or anything like that Mm. so uh i'm actually going i was waiting this week to let like some orders come in so i'm actually going tomorrow to to send out the first shipment of uh, the ones that we've sold personally sick oh yeah so um you kind of like mentioned a little bit that because like with this um two song ep it obviously seems like you guys are gearing up for another full-length album and like you were saying you you guys obviously are um so um i mean without giving too much away uh can you share like any details about what's to come yeah so you know i guess if there's any silver lining to covid and us being in quarantine this whole year and you know unfortunately losing our jobs and all that pretty much uh we there's been a lot of time to write and record so that's pretty much what we've been doing um this this you know since you know honestly even since the beginning of the year because i i came off touring pretty heavily last year and i was you know i was playing with dream phases and other bands as a as a side musician and I honestly got a little bit burned out by the end of the year. So my plan was maybe not to tour this year and just spend as much time as I could recording and writing. So already, even when like uh, quarantine started, I was already kind of working every day a little bit, just writing and making demos and stuff. So mm. yeah, we basically, we wrote, uh, you know, I think close to 20, 20, 25 songs or something like that, that we've written and demoed this year and um we basically have gone through the process of narrowing those you know narrowing it down from there uh you know picking 10 to 12 songs that we wanted to focus on finishing and and you know working towards the album so we're pretty we're pretty close actually we uh i would say we're about you know 70 percent done with the recording and then the next step is going to be mixing so our our goal is to finish the album by the end of the year and that's what we're hoping for and uh that's so that we can hopefully put it out by next summer and 
it's been a different process with this record too. You know, we've done we've done a slew of different, or had a slew of different approaches. With this album, uh, like Shane and Kavine co-wrote a song together that we demoed. Mm. Um, Shane wrote music to a song, and then I wrote the the lyrics and the the melody. Kavine uh, wrote a song, wrote two songs. So there's more collaboration going on, and. Whereas in the past with the old recordings, I would sometimes do like a full demo, like totally fleshed out or like all fleshed out with just Shane's drums or something like that. With this, it's been a little different where I, we've just, we've kind of actually built the tracks together. I mean, we're still doing what I was saying about, you know, sending the tracks back and forth to each other and, and working in our own studios. But, you know, I'll just send the scratch track to Shane. Shane will have a big, you know, say on kind of the rhythm and the hits and the accents and all that kind of stuff. And then send it to Kavine and Kavine will put on layers. So it's much more of like uh, the three of us on this record. And I think that will be noticeable as like another, another step, uh, you know, in a, in a new direction. Yeah, that's good. I mean, <clears throat> I'm definitely uh, curious to see what that's going to sound like. Uh, that would be the third full-length album, right, from the band, like the next one that's coming out. Yeah, well, it, or is it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's a little confusing even for us <laughs> because basically, <laughs> we we originally put out like two different EPs, but then we put those together and it was pressed as one record, and that was the Maybe Tomorrow Clear Skies album, and then we have the Mister Midnight compilation, which that that's it it is a full album but it's really more of a compilation album because what what that is is i basically went through like my like some of the archives that i have of like old songs and even songs that like are were written way before dream phases started and sort of what my idea has been is to have almost like two two sets of like discographies within dream phases where we sort of have like the main albums, but then we have these like the Mr. Midnight series that kind of comes in between those albums that sort of, you know, gives people some more music to listen to in between the main albums that, that come out. So huh. I, guess, I guess it I guess it depends on how you're counting because, I mean, we have the two EPs that became an album. We have the Mr. Midnight compilation and we have the So Long Yesterday, which in my mind, <clears throat> that's the first like proper album that we, we have. So... I don't know, depending on how you count it, we're either going to be putting out our second main album or we're going to put out like our fourth album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <I> don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally get it. Cause that was like one of my questions later on, like even asking about uh, Mr. Midnight and the volume one thing. So you kind of mm-hmm. answered that there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That's kind of just to explain a little bit more about that. The idea behind that is that, <laughs> we could basically use that as something to where we can like release anything. Uh, you know, it's sort of like a series that I wanted to start where I could maybe put out like ambient music or real experimental mm. stuff, or maybe more like demos or like it basically something that honestly isn't maybe as cohesive as what like the album that we're working on would be because the albums that we're working on are going to be more, you know, like So Long Yesterday was an album that was written and recorded mostly together, you know, like using the same group of guys. And it was sort of, you know, like that. Whereas Mr. Midnight, I want I want to have an ability to be able to put out basically anything on that and use it as like... I, I was sort of influenced by Sonic Youth, actually, because they had their main albums and then they had this separate series called SYR, 
which were which was like they're totally experimental like kind of out there you know stuff and they would they put out a lot of them i think they did like i don't know somewhere between eight to ten of those but they were sort of not in the main trajectory so that's basically more or less what uh what the mr midnight compilations are oh yeah that's interesting i i haven't really heard of bands doing that i mean so yeah i mean i wasn't even like thinking of it like that but but yeah it makes sense like to me it just seemed like a just a full album like straight up yeah i think you guys weren't even trying to uh do it where it's like a anything goes type of album yeah well that one that one isn't it's not really experimental i guess that one is more uh i mean there's like 10 tracks on it and uh eight of the songs are or eight of them are like, you know, like song songs. And then the other two are ambient kind of transitions. But, uh, yeah, I mean on that album, I, I think it's, it's just afterlife and the fixer that have, uh, Kavine and Shane. And then the rest of it is just mostly like home demos. And oh. what I basically did is, I mean, I went back, I think it goes all the way back to like, uh, 2009 or something. I think there's a song that was originally demoed in 2009 that's on there. And I basically just went and took some of these songs and I just kind of, you know, very slightly polished them up or recorded a little bit more, just kind of souped them up a little bit from where they were. But it it really is like a compilation from like all over the place. I mean, it's like, like I said, it's from, as a matter of fact, on the tape version. So there's two different versions of that. We put out a, a tape on this, uh, Danish label called Gertruda, who who my my good friend runs, and uh, on that there's actually a different final song than what's on the digital version, and that song that you can only get on that original tape is from like 2000 or something, or I don't know, it's from when I was like 19 or 20 or 21, and I decided to take that off of the the official digital version and I replaced it with a brand new song that I had written called Pawn Shop Heart. Huh. So there, yeah, there actually there actually is two different two different versions. It's it's also sort of um, the idea that I just want to continue to be putting out music and have more for people to listen to. I you know I really admire you know the musicians from the fifties and sixties and seventies where they were putting out you know at least oh, yeah. an album a year, and I just I just like that. It's like mm-hmm. I uh, I kind of take the approach where I I, I don't want to like overthink the things that I'm doing too too much, and I kind of just want to get that initial uh feeling out there and once that's there and i got it down in a way that i'm satisfied with that i kind of just want to release it and then cont- then write more songs you know and keep keep going so yeah it's just a it you know it's a way to continue to put out more music yeah that's sick um it's kind of like a b-sides type thing huh yeah exactly oh that's sick yeah uh yeah i wouldn't have guessed that <laughs> without you saying that so but it totally yeah. makes sense um so like the the first time we met was like at the milk bar in san francisco uh, right at a gig we had there uh when i was with family light band and uh that was right. my first time going to san francisco and playing live there uh we played alongside uh Lev- levitation room uh and cosmic correlation and conspiracy uh with mad alchemy doing the liquid light show uh that was a badass night man and uh it it was cool man like freaking just it it just kind of felt like a crossroads and like a lot of like creatives like intersecting you know 
at like yeah, one absolutely. That was that was a really awesome show, and I actually still use a uh, an image <laughs> from that from that show as a lot of like the as as a banner on some of our different our different sites. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that that show directly led us to that Mad Alchemy tour, which yep. you know uh, you guys and 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 us were were on, and that you know between those two things, that definitely you know solidified our our relationships, and you know uh, you know our bands together and you know we've definitely played several other times after that together as well yeah yeah um i'm about to get into the the mad alchemy tour in a bit um but uh the first recording i ever heard from you guys was uh from around that time and it was that the 2017 maybe tomorrow ep that you were Mm -hmm. talking about uh i remember you guys were playing those songs pretty heavily at the time and the and some songs were from uh, the Easy Love EP and mm-hmm. um, even a couple other songs. Like, I think one of them was uh, even in your your guys' uh, most recent album, uh, So Long Yesterday. Uh, I forget, yeah. forget what the song was. But um, <clears throat> um, I think we traded EPs and uh, I remember listening to that Maybe Tomorrow EP with the band while we were like traveling around. And, uh, a lot of, a lot of solid songs on, on that recording. And, um, I listen to them now and it, it totally puts me right back into those days. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like it, it just like, it, and that's like the beautiful thing about music, how it does that. Like it just kind of just totally, it, it's like a, like time traveling almost <laughs> in your mind. It's pretty tight. Yep. That's right. <clears throat> so, um. Yeah, just uh, talk about those two EPs a little bit. I know you kind of like touched on them a little bit, um, uh, and yeah, just detail some more details behind those. Yeah, so um, the uh, the maybe tomorrow one was our first release, and we uh, we did that with Lollipop. Like uh, we did a cassette and a uh, a CD, and then put that on digitally. So <sighs> most of that stuff not everything but most of that stuff from like the maybe tomorrow ep and this and the easy love seven inch and those two things were pretty much pulled all from that original demo album that i had made in 2016 and we just kind of picked the songs and went back and um re-recorded them and uh i mean there's a couple of songs on the easy love seven inch um the final song that's on there um, I'm losing the title of my own song, but the final <laughs> song was like a, a separate little solo song that I did later. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, most of the, most of that material, most of what we've released so far, leading up to the Highland Highway Tandy, was honestly mostly stuff that we had all the way back from like the end of 2016 to 2017. So huh. you know, we were working on the So Long Yesterday album for a while, um, which which we can get into later. But most of that stuff leading up until what we're doing now is like kind of been around for a couple of years. So, um, that's where that stuff came from is that original demo album. Damn, that's crazy. You guys must've just like, just <laughs> like had so much like songs that you guys had just stored away and just were like, all right, we got a, you know, like a vault that you could just pick, pick from and, <laughs> <laughs> and just slowly yeah. release them. Yeah. We have more of one right now because of all the time that we've had. I mean, we've, yeah. I think, think we've come up with like two or three times the amount of songs than than what we have uh you know this year than what we had over the last couple years 
Damn. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, great laid-back tracks on, uh, laid-back guitar tones and cool uh, sounds on those EPs. Um, Maybe Tomorrow was was always one of my favorite tracks I loved hearing you guys open with when we were, like, touring. Yeah. It's like, you... Like on the, it's weird. Like, cause like on the, uh, the record or, uh, the EP, it's like, uh, you guys end the, you end the, the EP with that song, but like live, you guys would always like open with that track. Right. Most of the time yeah. you guys did. Yeah. Often. I, uh, I still don't know if it was the right decision not to open the EP with that. <laughs> I, 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 I wonder that just cause, uh, yeah, it, it it is the end or the ending song there, but I, I kind of wish that we I had sequenced that differently and that it, mm. it was the opening track. <laughs> well, if if anything, it's uh, kind of like a good uh, like outro to like it kind of let it, it, there's more to come type of thing, you know? Right. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it could have been like a dope intro too, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Not long after that uh, first S- uh, San Francisco show we did uh, together, uh, we set up a badass tour with uh, Lance Gordon from the owner of Ma- uh, Li- ah, sorry the uh, Mad Alchemist Liquid Light show, which was uh, spearheaded by Lance, uh, like we were talking about, and uh, he's he set up almost everything on that tour. Uh, we played alongside Stevenson Ranch Davidians, Jesus Sons. Creatures Choir and other bands like Asteroid Number Four, LSD, and the Search for God on uh, different stops along the tour. Uh, that was like an epic tour that that's like burned into my memory. Um, yeah, it was badass. And uh, like we played like the LA LA's uh, Bootleg Theater, uh, the Chapel in San Francisco, shot up to Seattle, Vancouver. Vancouver like sucked because like we couldn't we I mean we even get get to across the border into Canada so <laughs> that was a bummer. All right, I I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and um so like I don't even you guys got across though, right? And you guys played it. Right. Yeah, that was that uh I think it was the rickshaw thing. Yeah, rickshaw. If I remember correctly. Yeah, how did that right. show go? I don't I don't think we even talked about that. Yeah, uh, man, I, I don't want to make you feel bad anyway. But that was definitely that was that was definitely one of the uh, one, a really good one. I mean, there was a lot of good ones, but that that was a really good one. Damn, as yeah. well. That was. Yeah, I wish we yeah. made that one because it seemed like it was like a badass like venue, and a lot right. of huge bands seemed to play there. Yeah, I think there was a good turnout that one. Um, but yeah, Canada's Canada's tricky, man. It's uh, it's it's hard to get into sometimes. Yeah, uh, we probably should have <laughs> planned that out better. I thought, you know, it would have been, like, easier to get into, but then they right. were just like, oh, right. you guys have this and that on your record and whatever. It, it it just, even though it was, like, old stuff, so. It sucks. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but yeah, anyways, we, like, shot down to uh, Colorado after that, did a gig there, uh-huh. and then down to Bisbee, Arizona. And if you guys don't know... Um, about bisbee it's like a pretty crazy fucking dope location like out there in arizona like kind of near the mexico border uh it's like it's it's totally like a like a old it reminds me of like being on like an old cowboy western movie (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it's it's a hit. It's a hidden, a big time hidden jam. Yeah, yeah. A lot you of do. People... You feel you feel like you're like in the 1800s or something. You know, it's it's. But everybody is like really cool and rad and artistic. You know, and it's <clears> it's like uh, I I almost feel like you. I mean, you're totally right. It reminds me of a western town. It also kind of almost feels like you're at a theme park or something. Yeah. It's like it's like totally preserved in this like old time. That's really cool yeah it's fucking awesome and like not a lot of people know about it i mean i i know no. i never heard of it before the tour and like even seeing right. it like on our map to get there i was like where the hell is that like <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah people were fucking awesome there and uh you know yeah. fucking treated us like kings and shit out there dude it was badass that, that that i mean that was probably my favorite show of the tour i think i mean that was just so much fun that whole night yeah yeah, it was dope, dude. I mean, we I know we lost uh, Vic, like the keyboard player, and then uh, like Clay, the drummer at the time, he was like thinking about bailing out, and uh, <laughs> we were just like scrambling. I think we even like brought up uh, like Shane trying to like learn our songs last minute and <laughs> right, <laughs> just cover for us, but. Yeah. Well, luckily Clay Clay came through on that. Yeah, dude, and I uh, thank God he did because like that seriously, <laughs> yeah. it, like that was like one of my favorite shows, dude. Like the yeah. the crowd was fucking yeah. awesome. They were like loving it, and yeah, they were ra- they were raging. I remember that. <laughs> I just remember like uh, fucking some asshole. I don't know why the fuck he was doing that, but like it happened like during our set and your guys' set, like how we. Like right before we we're going on, they had the curtains and like clothes and every- and we're like setting up and shit. And then they're just like, "All right, it's time to go," and just start opening the curtains. <laughs> and we're like, "What the fuck?" Like I remember you were like freaking out, like when you guys were about to play, and you're just like, "Oh, dude, what the fuck?" Like close the curtain. What are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you, if there's gonna be a curtain, it's gonna be shut. You might as well wait until the band's about to start. Yeah, right? dude, I was like, I don't, I don't know what the hell that was about. Like, I mean, at least for you guys, they closed it. Like, we we were just like, all right, I guess this is. We're just gonna set up while you guys stare at us and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so oh man cool. that's funny I, I had forgotten about that that's that's so funny <laughs> yeah i just remember like that moment like just being like on the side of the stage or something and like just seeing yeah seeing like you like panicking because you're just like what the fuck dude <laughs> but uh that's um, funny <laughs> so like what's uh like some of your like favorite memories from those from the those days of uh touring well, it was definitely, you know, m- meeting you guys for sure. Uh, I mean, probably the, the my favorite memories are just like the community and how it was kind of something. I think it was a pretty unique opportunity and a unique tour that we did because, you know, typically you're either touring by yourself or maybe you're, you know, there's one other band that you're, you know, touring with. But in that situation, like you mentioned earlier, you know, there was like a core i think of like four or five bands not to mention like some of the shows where there was like added bands yeah uh-huh. so a lot of them. it was just it was just so cool you know meeting you know like-minded people and people that you know went on to become really close good friends you know and basically we had like a family that was traveling on the road together and just having fun after each show and you know the the, the shows themselves were 
you know, honestly, a little bit on the stressful side mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't know if you remember. I mean, some of those shows, like at the Bootleg Theater and at the Chapel, it was like our sets were like super short, yeah. like sometimes like 15 or 20 minutes, and then it was just scramble to get off, get on. Yep. So in terms of that, I mean, that was kind of chaotic and crazy, mm-hmm. but it was such a unique experience. I mean, I've never done another tour like that. Yeah. Have you? No, no, for sure. It was definitely unique in that way, like, you know, we were just kind of like openers for the headliners and it was like, yeah, right. just get on, get off. And we like trained ourselves to like pull our, all our gear off in like, <laughs> like 10, like five minutes or some shit, like something ridiculous yeah, like that. Exactly. <laughs> Cause, oh yeah, there, there's also, you know, Jesus sons played, uh, Astro number four was on some of those shows. Yeah. Uh, our buddies, Joe past played, I think at the Seattle and the Vancouver shows. Yep. So it was cool because there was like, yeah, the core group of us. Cause, and then also like some bands left, right? I mean, I don't think that Creatures Choir did the whole tour, did they? No, yeah. I think they bailed out like around Colorado or something like that. Yeah, which I think was their plan all along, if I remember. But yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, in the end, it, you know, that final show in Bisbee was, <laughs> you know, you guys, us, and Jesus Sons, and we finished that there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember uh, <laughs> being stressed the fuck out, like... Um, like going to the san francisco show at the chapel because like right we uh we had like the van and we had like a trailer hooked up to it and that van wasn't really like designed to carry that much weight and we were we took like this like back road way to get there like and it was like this windy ass road and uh i remember we were like freaking out and we had to keep like pulling off the road because the engine was overheating and shit and we're like fuck dude and we're like running out of time to get there and we right. we were totally like thinking we're not even gonna make it and we're gonna miss like one of the best shows on the tour and shit <clears throat> and uh <laughs> luckily <laughs> luckily we fucking got there like right at time right on the time like that we were supposed <laughs> I to remember play that. yeah and uh, everyone's calling us and freaking out, like, where are you guys? What the I fuck? Know. And I know, man. <laughs> we were, like, in the car, like, just prepping all our gear, like, tuning everything. So, like, as soon as we got there, <laughs> we just pull all our gear, get on stage, and start playing. And it was literally oh, man. that fast. Jesus. <laughs> that was one of the that most stressful. So stressful. Yeah, dude. Oh, it was one of the most stressful man. shows I ever played. But, but it was crazy how fast, like, it melted away because... <laughs> like it was it's such a badass like iconic venue in san francisco and like oh yeah and uh like as soon as like we hit the first note like it was just like fuck yeah dude like this is badass <laughs> i just remember being like man i fucking never want to show up to a gig this late ever again <laughs> oh i know i know dude it's so stressful <laughs> yeah that was fucked up <clears throat> um but yeah um um not long after that that tour um you guys i I don't remember exactly when it was but yeah i remember you guys going on i I think it was your guys's first european tour like you guys you were talking about and uh you went on multiple like uh tours out to europe um not with just dream phases right i think you went out there with levitation room for a little bit too yeah um yeah so we've done 
as Dream Phases, we've done two European tours now, <clears throat> and then um, yeah, I've been I've been out there a small handful of other times with with other bands as well. Oh yeah, that's badass. Um, yeah, talk about those tours and like uh, your experience over there, and um, yeah, just the process of all that. Yeah, well, um, it was definitely always you know one of the the main goals and dreams that I, I had, you know, as a musician is, you know, to go and tour over there, especially with my own stuff, but just, you know, even just playing with other people's bands. So, um, it, I honestly, I, I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's been pretty, pretty awesome each time. I mean, there's, there's been, you know, quite a bit of learning experiences and getting used to doing things a little bit differently, but, mm-hmm. you know, just to be totally honest, I think in, in a lot of ways, it's just so much more rewarding to actually tour in Europe, uh, in the places that we've gone to, as opposed to like across the U S it just, uh, it was pretty eye opening the first time, just, just the treatment of, uh, you know, the way that the venues and the people putting on the shows and, and fans and, you know, all of that, it's just like the way that we you know, received and, and taken care of was, you know, it, it, it really felt, it really felt like a whole different thing than touring here in the U S where, you know, you'll get like a couple drink tickets or, you know, a small rider <laughs> or something. And, yeah. you know, no thought about any place to stay for the band or usually, usually, you know, so, you know, there's some venues I played that feed you, but for the most part, not, not most of them. And, you know, just go to Europe where, you know, the people run out right when you pull up usually and help you load out and they're stoked and they, you know, are giving you drinks and, Oh Yeah. Giving you, you know, a good dinner and providing you with a good place for each person to sleep, you know, that night. So that that's that was one of the specialist things is that, you know, you just I hate to put it this way, but it's just easier in a way just because you can kind of be a little bit healthier and (laughs) take care of yourself, you know, and you just uh, so you can, you know, go a little bit longer and stuff like that. And also it's just um, overall, it just seems like the fans and the people that come to the shows are a lot more engaged, you know, it's not, you know, I'm not complaining about people on their phones and stuff at shows or whatever, you know, whatever, if you want to do that, do that. But over there, it just seems like people are so much more engaged and they, you know, want to talk to you after and buy merch and, you know, you make, you make good friends and, and, and all that stuff. So I, 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 re- I really enjoy touring in Europe oh, yeah. quite a lot. I believe it, dude. I, I mean, it's one of those yeah. things like, I'm like, I need to check off my bucket list and cause Absolutely. you know, I've, I've always seen, uh, you know, like you, like I'm, like I'm a huge Hendrix fan, and like just knowing, like how he got his start, and like you know, being like poor as fuck in Seattle, and like <clears throat> not like struggling hard to make it, you know, as a musician, and and then all it took for him was to just connect with the right people in London, and then you know, he travels out there, tours out there like once and then boom, he's like, he just fucking makes it. Like he comes back and plays Monterey pop festival. And, uh, it just, just totally sent him to a whole new level. Um, and I think when you, when you go out there to like another country, people know that you, you, how far you traveled and they're just like so much more like respectful of like, what you're doing and yeah, like, you know, like you said, when you turn around the U S it's like, people are like, uh, it's just another fucking band, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I know it's, it's sad, but it's true. And 
that attitude extends often to like the promoters, the bookers, the venue staff, yep. all that. Yep. And, you know, as opposed to over there, you really do feel like you're appreciated f- for what you're doing and that you're, you know, providing, you know, the either the entertainment or the, whatever it is that you're, you're bringing, but you actually feel appreciated for that. And, you know, which is not to, not to say that you don't get any of that over here too. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, you know, some places are, but by and large, it's just very different. Oh yeah. For real. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I, I, I think of that story of, uh, like, you know, that dude, Rodrigo. Yeah. <laughs> like that guy's story. Oh, Rodri- oh, Ro- oh, Rodriguez. Oh, Rodriguez. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy's story. If you guys haven't seen the, the documentary, it's fucking awesome. Like you, it's great. Yeah, yeah. He just, you know, totally struggling musician. Uh, people think he like dies or something and, uh, but his recordings remain. And so he just is built, gets this like legend of being this like mysterious musician that died and never made it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he, uh, becomes like, he, I guess they find out like he has this huge falling in like, what was it like South America or something like that? I think it was, um, it was in South Africa. South, yeah. Right. Yep. South Africa. And then, <laughs> like next thing you know like they find out he's alive still and then he come like he's been working some shitty ass jobs and and then uh they they get him out there to south africa and fucking like, he's like this giant star out there so it just goes to show man you never know like there's pr- probably it's like some part of the world where people are like really digging your music and you know it's possible like you could be like a fucking megastar out there <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's just funny yeah you don't know what's going on around the world i mean that that story is just so crazy though in particular you're, you're totally right <laughs> yeah yeah it's fucking awesome i love hearing about stories like that man i know, I know. <clears throat> so um <laughs> yeah the uh the next recording you guys put out was the uh, 2018 Clear Skies EP, and uh, you kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, it kind of seems like it's like a continuation of the Maybe Tomorrow EP. Like, am I right about that? It kind of seems like it. So yeah, basically, when we made um, the Clear Skies, we already knew that it was going to be put together with Maybe Tomorrow on a record, because we did that original EP with Lollipop, and then... After that, we ended up uh, going with um, Nomad Eel Records, who we've, we've released a couple things with. And the main guy there, Damon, who's totally awesome, um, you know, he was like, well, why don't you get that first EP, do this one since that was never on vinyl. We'll do, put them together and basically make an album. So in, in a lot of ways, yeah, they really do go hand in hand. I mean, stylistically, musically speaking, it, they, you know, they were written like pretty, pretty shortly after you know the maybe tomorrow stuff so i do think it's like just kind of a continuation like you said hmm. yeah yeah <clears throat> it's fucking awesome too um Thank you. a lot of good songs on there um then there are a couple of singles relieved uh released after that uh the 2019 singles frightened man and confusion um i remember you guys playing frightened man during the gigs we had together um yep. Do you want to add any details about those singles? Uh, yeah. So that song "Frightened Man" that was another one of the songs that was from my original demo. Um, I think that 
I think confusion came a little bit later, but um, yeah, basically we picked we picked songs from that original demo album that we made into maybe tomorrow. Um, the Clear Skies EP actually was like totally written around that time, so those songs were. None, there was none of those songs were on that first one. As a matter of fact, the final song on that, uh, She Helped Me Forget, that was written in the studio one night when I was there by myself. We were, we did that whole that whole EP at uh, Moosecat Studios over in uh, like Mid-City in Los Angeles with our friend Mike Post. He has a cool, uh, a really cool studio, and he went out of town for a holiday, and he basically just let me go and let us record. So that's what we basically yeah. did. That's where we did that EP. And then um, all the while when we were doing even that EP, we were already working on So Long Yesterday this whole time. So So Long Yesterday was basically, um, I know we're not, we haven't got to the album yet, but it was written at the same time as that and it was being worked on. So we basically were saving songs like Confusion and Frightened Man and even some other songs like Barred Windows and, and, and all those were being worked on at the same time. And we did that in like two different sessions. So, um, so yeah, basically the Frightened Man and the Confusion, that was around the same time that Clear Skies would have came out. They were just still being worked on for the album. And then they were sort of the two songs that we decided within the group and the people we were also working with to promote the album to release a little bit of Head uh, as singles before we actually put out So Long Yesterday. Hmm. That's dope. Um, yeah, it seemed like, uh, 2019 was like a pretty, uh, busy year for you guys. Um, on top of the, the two singles, you guys released the two full length albums, uh, Mr. Midnight volume one and so long yesterday. Um, so yeah, that's crazy. Like that, that seems like a, like a lot of material. So were you guys, um, were most of those songs recorded around the same time or was it? um kind of yeah except for the mr midnight stuff uh that i was mentioning before because that's Mm -hmm. like kind of scattered all over but even 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 on that um you know the song the fixer pawn shop heart um those are both like pretty much brand new songs for that release Mm. um but then the uh the so long yesterday stuff and the clear sky stuff even all the way back to maybe tomorrow so, like most of that was written i mean for for so long yesterday like um i'm trying to think what songs were on like frightened man was on the original demo album i did promise a promise that little ambient 4am track yeah, that song's dope. so those were from like the original batch and then from the second batch of songs came songs like uh cruel world and uh bird of prey and Mm. um some of those other ones so yeah i mean most of that that album was recorded i think i want to say in like winter 2017 and then again a whole year later winter like 2018 and then we basically finished that i think by the end of 2018 oh damn so yeah that's good that you guys were able to like have that done and then uh, release it later on. Um, yeah. Yeah. To me personally, like, I don't know. I, I, I fucking really love, uh, Mr. Midnight, dude. Like that, that fucking album is sick, dude. There's like a lot of good songs on there. Um, a lot of dope, like psych rock tracks and, uh, like that song afterlife. That's a trip that like, that was like one of your old band songs. 
And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> oh no, yeah, I was just gonna say exactly that was the last song written, and it's it's almost like the last song written, the first song I guess recorded, because everybody that's on that track actually was in the orig- the first live lineup of Dream Phases. <laughs> yeah, that actually was Shane Kavine and my my friend Zach on bass. <laughs> that's fucking crazy, um, yeah. and. Um, yeah, that fucking ambient interlude track, uh, I, I think it's pronounced uh, La Voyage de Callisto. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, sick, dude. I fucking love that ambient track. It's it's fucking badass. Thank you. Yeah, that that's <laughs> definitely like something I want to explore more, and there's going to be a little bit of that on the new record we're doing, too. And I, I, I would like to, you know, the, the next Mr. Midnight release, it might be something more actually like that, maybe like a longer ambient you know, song, something that's almost made to kind of, I don't know, zone out to or kind of drift off to sleep to or something. I kind of, kind of interested in making some stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool. Like, I mean, like I love ambient music and I, I mean, you know, there's a time and a place for it, you know, you don't mm-hmm. <laughs> always want to listen to it, but, uh, when those moments right. come where you do want to listen to it, it's fucking great. Um, Right. just help you like meditate or whatever and <clears throat> it's kind of cool like uh i don't know did you see how like uh i don't know if if i'm pronouncing it right but uh toro y moi uh-huh. toro oh Moy. he's great yeah dude how like he put that lot. like uh he put that like uh ambient record out on uh the calm app oh i don't know if i've heard that yeah dude he made like this whole like uh record just for um the calm app <laughs> just like freaking meditation and shit it's pretty i haven't heard wow. it i think you have to like get the the app to to listen to it i don't know if it's wow. like on his uh discography anywhere but <clears throat> yeah that guy that guy is great man i definitely oh, yeah. really like like his work a lot yeah dude and it's like i mean the newer stuff's kind of like weird i mean there's some of it that's like dope like but yeah he's kind of it kind of seems like he's trying to, like, line himself up with the that like mumble rap crowd a little bit, you know. Oh, really? That, that's what <laughs> that's what he's doing now. Uh, like some of the newer stuff, like yeah, some of his new albums, like it's, uh, you could tell he's kind of like kind of drifting away from like his uh, original sound, like underneath the pine and like those albums. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and it's like kind of going more towards like, yeah, kind of line himself up with like hip hop a little bit and like the way that sounds going. Right. Uh, and I saw that he's like hanging out with like, um, Travis Scott and uh, like even, uh, Kevin Parker from Tame Impala and shit. And, wow. Yeah. So he's, he's killing it, dude. They're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so you want to like, uh, add anything else about, uh, Mr. Midnight uh, about that process or anything? Um, well, just the fact that I, I do think that it's going to continue. I, I definitely do want to do a volume two. Um, like I was mentioning, it's probably going to be uh, another kind of assortment of like songs that aren't going to make the album and then maybe some more experimental ambient stuff. But, um, sure. yeah, it's just kind of like the it's sort of a way for me to go back into my archives of songs that I've written over the years and kind of pick some stuff out that I, that I thought was maybe, you know, had some potential or something, but never really got finished or just kind of sat there. And it's just, you know, a way of just being like, Hey, this is, 
here's some other stuff that, you know, that we've done or I've done. And, you know, just to kind of show a little bit more of uh, the diversity. Sick. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, what's, uh, what's some details about, uh, I mean, you kind of touched a little bit on uh, so long yesterday, but, uh, what else you want to add to that? Yeah, so that's, uh, like I was mentioning, we did that record with our friend uh, Mike Post over at Moose Cat, who we also did, um, like, the Clear Skies EP and the Easy Love uh, 7-inch with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we basically just we recorded um, more more kind of in a, a hybrid a way of, like, kind of half classic way of recording. And, and then secondly, you know, second half uh, modern in the sense that we recorded, uh, Shane Kavine and I recorded straight to tape, like rhythm tracks, you know, together. So we would get the foundation of the songs down. Mm-hmm. And then we would just, you know, do uh, multi-track recording after that and just overdub to flesh them out. And yeah, that, that took, that album I think took uh, about a year or two just, you know, because we were kind of working on other stuff and also we had to come up with the money for, for it all. And, Hell yeah, you know, it's expensive. We, we kind of, it it is you know and we oh, yeah. kind of um before we did that we weren't really sure also who was going to release it or what we we're going to do but then you know we we worked with uh nomadio records which was great who we who we met through my buddy mike uh who we were recording with and uh yeah it was basically just uh a process of doing it that way and then mike mike was the one that ended up uh the person that mixed the record and it, it was nice to finish that and get that out. It kind of felt like we had had the songs for a really long time and we were already starting <laughs> to kind of want to play other stuff. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a really nice feeling to finally get that out. And like I mentioned, some of the songs we'd had since the beginning of the band, like Frightened Man, and yeah. we've been playing Barred Windows for, for a really long time. And <laughs> yeah. it was nice to finally have these songs out that we uh, had been working on and playing live, especially, you know, we are it, it, it's always interesting to kind of decide when you're playing live about like how much new material should you play and how much stuff should you play that maybe people are familiar with that you've already released. Yeah. So it was sort of like, okay, we've put everything out that we've been playing and now, now we're finally like at the point again, now where we're making like all new stuff and, you know, once, once shows open up again and things come back, you know, we'll, we'll still be playing some of our older songs, but it's going to be nice to start debuting some new ones and have some new stuff out. Hell yeah. Yeah, um f- definitely excited to hear that and people that know your music, I'm sure they're pumped for that as well. Um Awesome. Uh what's some of your like favorite tracks to like uh play live or just on, you know, albums that you've put out in the past? <clears throat> um I really like to play um well, maybe tomorrow, the one that you were mentioning earlier, yeah. that's a, that's a really fun one. I feel <clears throat> we, we, we have kind of switched over time kind of where we place that song in the set, but yeah, we, we oftentimes did open with it and I feel like it kind of sets a mood. Um, I really like the song cruel world because it's like a, it's kind of an up-tempo one and it kind of gets people going and mm-hmm. usually people can pretty easily sing along to the chorus, you know, by the second time it comes around. Yeah. Um, uh, I really, really enjoy one of the songs that, so the one song that we have been playing live that will be on our next record is called In a Box. And we, I think we debuted that on that last European tour. Mm. Um, that, that one's, that one's quite a lot of fun to play as well. Huh. Do you guys have that one recorded? Uh, yeah, we, we do actually. We, we just re-recorded, uh, 
the basic tracks and a little bit of overdubs for what will end up being on the album. But yeah, well, I have so. a I have original demo of that, and then we're we're nearly done um, with the actual recording. We actually, you you probably know the guy. We re-recorded the song with uh, with Chris. Mm, Chris. Uh... Chris. I, I think you pronounce his last name Felipe. Is Omar's oh, really yeah, good yeah, friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He recorded the uh, Last Family of Light band. Uh, yeah, record, yeah, yeah. So we we uh, we've been talking about recording together for a long time, and we finally went to his studio that he has in downtown, and he's he's gotten all sorts of great stuff, and he's yeah he's, he's got a he got a good sound. So we were we were really happy with recording with him. So yeah, that particular song in a box that will be on the next record. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, he he definitely like added. Uh, he 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 gets into the the mix. Like he he won't just like be passive and um, just kind of let you record. And he'll he'll like put his two cents in. And um, oh yeah, you know sometimes it it will, he might be off a little bit, but like most of the time he's like he's spot on. And it's like fuck, like you know that's a good right. point. You know, uh, right? And and he's like. <clears throat> really uh you know he, he's good at just uh working with your schedule and he's very flexible for the most part and yeah yeah i'm you know i'm pretty happy with the way uh that that uh album that uh he worked on with family light came out like, oh yeah it uh even though like <laughs> almost all those tracks were like recorded in random places that aren't even studios you know but it's still got a pretty pretty dope sound out of it so yeah absolutely that sounds really good uh yeah looking forward to hear that one um the one that he works on with you um yeah but yeah dude uh like i fucking love like you guys' sound and uh i look forward to hearing more of the music from you guys it's i'm stoked to see your your uh, catalog's growing deeper and deeper. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's nice to kind of be where we're at right now. Just you know, it's it's even though uh, you know, obviously, it's it's very sad with coronavirus and COVID. It, right. it has been really nice just to be able to kind of be home and continue to write and kind of try to push the sound in you know the next direction. I guess. Mm. Yeah, man, I could only see you guys getting better, especially with, like, the free time, you know, if you, you guys have it and you're able to write more. I could see Thank the you. sound only getting bigger and better, so. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, I, I'm pretty much, I, I think I've asked most of my questions. Yeah, not not a whole lot. I guess if people made it all the way this far, you know, thanks for listening. And <laughs> yeah, dude, for real. <laughs> and you know, just you know, just to keep holding out hope that things are going to get better. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if everybody will agree politically, but I think you know it's really big that uh, Biden just got elected, and I think it's going to yep, be a huge, a huge positive change. You know, and yep. I just hope that you know soon, soon people are going to come together a lot more. There's going to be less division, and you know, eventually things will get back to normal so we just got to kind of hang in there and get through this all together for real yeah i totally agree um yeah trump was fucking dividing america more than any (laughs) president in history for sure Um, i know and i I think so many people are relieved i mean (laughs) i i know at least half of them are it's pretty crazy to see like how many people like (laughs) you know voted 
for I Trump, know. you know, but I know it just goes totally to sh- crazy. Yeah. It just goes to show like how divided we are, you know, as a nation, but yep. Um, but you know, brighter times are to come. Like to me, it's kind of like a, it's a good start for like, especially for how shitty this year has been for everybody. And then, Oh, I know, you know, for <laughs> it's, it's like Biden winning is like one of the first like major good things that has happened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? I know, man. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, hopefully, uh, more good things happen and, uh, we keep progressing in that direction. Seriously. Um, another few things to add, uh, like I know, uh, your brother Shane, he's been, uh, he's been starting to make some like drum tutorial videos on YouTube and, um, check that out if you guys want to learn. Yeah, some, uh, he, he, he has, stuff. he's been, he's been breaking really hard on that and exactly he is, uh, he's really moving along with it really, really well right now. So yeah, he, he's trying to put out a new drum lesson video and he's, you know, he's aiming from kind of starting from the beginning and working his way through that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked for him that he's, that he's doing those and the videos have been really good so far. Oh yeah. So, you know, if you're looking into drumming and you're like a beginner and, or, you know, you just want to learn, pick up some new things, go check out his videos. Uh, I'm not sure what the link is to get there it's like what is it just shane graham lessons yeah i think it might i think you just look up shane graham drums or shane graham drum lessons on youtube and you should be able to find it through there so yeah Yeah. and then um i also know uh kavini he has his uh side solo project uh side door as well yes and yeah kavine kavine has been putting out his that that's like the first solo stuff that i think he's been putting out and it's really cool he uh he did one uh his first ep which was uh i think mostly all him or he might have had some collaborators but the second ep that he's releasing right now is is him but with a different female singer on each song so i think he did it with like six different singers and uh that sounds really cool too sick yeah, I, I mean, I haven't even had a chance to check it out yet, but I, I've seen his, like, posts about it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to, like, dive into that and check it out, because he's, yeah. Yeah, he's an awesome musician. Yeah, you'll you'll dig it for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, where, where can uh, people find and uh, buy your music? Is it mainly, uh, I mean, you kind of mentioned you could get the, the new EP on Hypnotic Bridge and your guys' site. right yeah so um you can order either directly through us um most of the releases that we've done have been with different labels so um each one of their different sites well you can order the stuff from like nomad eel and hypnotic bridge and um lunar ruins and then uh as well as well as our band camp and i I think we're going to be probably having some kind of own our own like web store coming up some kind sometime soon so something that we kind of have in the uh the works but for right now yeah just directly through us you can just email us at dreamphases at gmail.com or through the Bandcamp page fuck yeah all right man um yeah i don't know uh if there's anything else you want to add no that's that's great i really appreciate the conversation man that was a good interview sick dude well hell yeah thanks for uh, so much for being my first guest on the podcast man i'm uh thanks for having me yeah brother i'm stoked for uh people to check out your stuff and uh and uh look forward to the future man hopefully like we said uh things will just keep progressing in the right direction 
Absolutely. All right, brother. Much love. All right. Thanks, James. All right. Peace.